Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Why is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is episode 426 on your saturday nights it is april 16 2022 i am your host jd from new york and as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys for joining me on your saturday nights wherever you may be man we got a lot to talk about this is going to be one action-packed completely full to the rafters type of podcast tonight, man. So much news, I may have to build an additional venue tonight right here on Off The Script, but I appreciate you guys joining me on your Saturday nights, man. We just got done with Battle of the Belts. We're going to go over very minimally what happened. I'm not going to do a full-fledged review because, quite honestly, you want my honest first-rate opinion coming off the show that just ended at 9 o'clock. It was worse than Rampage. Or it's worse than a terrible episode of Rampage. These tape shows do nothing for me at all with AEW. Nothing. And I felt like it was just three matches thrown together on TV just to fill an additional one hour of TV time for AEW television. Really nothing of importance there. Nyla Rose versus Thunder Rosa. I love Thunder Rosa next to, uh, you know, everybody else. I I do. I I think she's fantastic. And I have wanted her to be the women's champion for a very long time, but Nyla Rose being her first opponent doesn't interest me because I don't think Nyla Rose is all that good. And then we got Sammy Guevara and Scorpio Sky with a TNT title on the line. I don't know if that's the right decision by Tony Khan to put the title on Sammy Guevara. After Scorpio Sky really didn't even have a defense of that TNT title. And then we got Jonathan Gresham versus... Who the fuck did he wrestle? Dalton Castle tonight. He wrestled Dalton Castle for the Ring of Honor. TV, uh, not for the Ring of Honor TV title, the uh, world title, Ring of Honor t- uh, world title. Not really all that impressive there for me because, I I mean, I don't care about these guys. I mean, they're great, don't get me wrong, but it's just a match thrown on television, man. There's no, there's no investment there. There's nothing to sink your teeth into. So I feel like Battle of the Belts, this is the second Battle of the Belts, and we have really nothing coming out of this second show just like we did the first show. So I'm glad I'm not doing a review of it because it would have been a complete waste of my time. A complete waste of my time. But we'll go over what I think about Sammy Guevara winning the TNT title and what I think 
of the potential with him, because that's the biggest story coming out of this thing, what the potential is for him to be a heel. So we'll go over that right here on Off the Script. But I want to thank you guys again, man. We have 1,500 people still filing on in. People still filtering on in to the OTS venue. We got four new members already, and we haven't even started yet, man. I appreciate you guys very much. Become a VIP, just like Salisbury and Wrestling Jeebus. Thank you, brother. Brian the Dean and Zero Kaiba have become members tonight, man. Thank you guys very much, man. What are you drinking as the first round? And you know what? I'm in a good mood tonight, man. Second round as well on me. Thank you guys very much. I even pinned the comment in the live stream chat. Click that. It'll take you right to the join button. $4.99. Get you those emotes. I had them custom made by my team. And you get those badges next to your name to show off your VIP status, man. Everybody that you see in the chat with a colorful microphone next to your name, you know they're VIPs and you know they're part of the VIP club, man. The most exclusive club in the IWC where we, I mean, we do it big every time, man. We drink the best of the best, man. You want it and you're asking for it in the venue, we got it. Don't worry about it. So hit that join button. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. This is the place to be, man. We're live several times a week. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Mostly Friday nights when I'm not working House of Glory. So make sure you guys do that and hit that subscribe button. Notify yourselves of when I go live and when I upload right here during the week on the channel. Hit that thumbs up. We got 582 likes right now in the live stream chat. Make sure you guys go and hit that thumbs up. Let's try for a thousand minimum. No questions asked. 1,000 likes is the goal for tonight's OTS 426 Live. We got new members. We got another two new members, man. Beyond the Mad. I love the fucking name, brother. And RD Alcorn becomes new members, man. VIP room is filling up tonight, man. You guys are fucking awesome. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Starting from Monday, man. Everything you expect from a wrestling channel, I got it. So go check it out. Everything you need is on the homepage. Plus an extra talking about Tony Khan. Were we too hard on Tony Khan about the debut, the botched debut of Satnam Singh on Wednesday's Dynamite? He was on Busted Open Radio following that appearance, and he talked about why... It did not work and what the reasoning behind it was. We're going to go over that tonight right here on the podcast. Also, John Moxley, big news on John Moxley. John Moxley's name is being mentioned a lot in the community where he's going to be this year. Is it going to be AEW? Is it going to be WWE? Plus, I got all of your WWE news and rumors, man. If you didn't hear it, I got it right here on the podcast. Make sure you guys follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. And make sure you guys check out my sponsor for today's show, Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. You guys are going to use that code JD at checkout for your free sample. That is BlueChew.com. Code JD. And make sure you guys are ready whenever that opportunity arises. I appreciate my friends over at Blue Chew for once again sponsoring the show. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. We'll talk about my friends over at Blue Chew a little bit later on in the show. And if you guys want to get your t-shirts, man, bonfire.com is the place. It's bonfire.com, the exclusive home 
of off the scripts. Let's start with the Battle of the Belts, man. I, I want to talk about this Sammy Guevara situation before we get into the news. Being that it was legitimately the last thing that we saw on television. Fantasy Kid 1977, thank you so much for the five-month membership, brother. I appreciate you. Dante Brown, thank you for becoming a new member inside the OTS VIP Club. Sammy Guevara, you know, I have been very vocal. Jesse and I have been very vocal. My partner on Wednesday nights have been very vocal about Sammy Guevara and this relationship that he's seemingly taken to television with Tay Conti. I don't care what they do in their extracurricular activities. I don't care what they do on their vlog. I don't care what they do in their personal life. That's theirs. That's their life to live. So be it. Enjoy yourself. Fine. The thing is, when you take this and you put it in front of a wrestling audience that saw you once, uh, you know, at, at one point in your career, one of the most popular guys in the company and... When you bring this to television and it's getting you the opposite reaction from what you remember getting, I don't know if it's going to be good if Tony Khan doesn't really address this creatively. And what I mean by that is, I I honestly think with Sammy Guevara once again winning the TNT Championship, now this is the perfect catalyst for him to turn heel. Honestly. We all asked for Cody Rhodes to turn heel when he won the TNT Championship. I thought that was the the, the, the legit plan for that. I thought that was really going to be what Cody Rhodes was going to do when he won the TNT title. It, it did not happen. I, I thought that was going to be the catalyst for him. Here, Tony Khan has a redo with Sammy Guevara, and I honestly think he needs to do what he should have did with Cody or what Cody should have did with Cody at the time because I don't think Cody really wanted to turn heel. I think he was bullshitting everybody. This is Tony Khan's chance as a redo to do what should have been done with Cody Rhodes. He needs to turn heel. I don't necessarily like the fact either that Scorpio Sky really didn't have a title defense against anybody, bragging that he was undefeated for over a year, only to go into this battle of the belts and then drop the fucking title one defense in his title reign against Sammy Guevara, who is now a three-time TNT champion. I wish the TNT title was in a better state. Honestly, it's been presented as a very important title in the company. But I'm going to re- I'm going to be honest with you guys. Ever since Miro lost that championship, that title hasn't really meant much of anything on TNT te- on TBS or TNT. Period. It hasn't meant a lot of anything at all on AEW television. Ever since Miro dropped that title, it's been less than. And I know a lot of people agree with me when I say that. When Miro was the TNT champion, he treated that championship as prestigious. He treated that championship with the utmost utmost respect. That title was in the main event with a lot of value behind it when Miro was the TNT champion. Now, I feel like it's nothing more than a hot potato. It went from... Sammy Guevara to Cody Rhodes to Scorpio Sky to Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara is a three-time TNT champion. This is the exact reason why Cody Rhodes left AEW. And I don't blame him for that. He could have easily put himself into a world title situation. He wanted to be the number one guy, which boggles my mind about why he went to WWE because if the rumors are correct, Roman Reigns isn't losing that championship anytime soon. And Cody Rhodes is always going to be a number two or number three. He's not even the number one babyface on Monday Night Raw on internal line sheets backstage, which I'll get to a little bit later. But 
This is the exact reason why Cody Rhodes did not want to be in AEW anymore. He didn't want to be known as a nine-time, ten-time TNT champion. You're hot potatoing the fucking title. Doesn't really make the value of the title any better. It actually lessens the value of the title. I don't know how good of a decision that was. The other thing is, I think Scorpio Sky's great. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know if Scorpio Sky was going to be a great champion to carry that belt and make it as prestigious as, say, a Miro. Neither is Sammy Guevara. But at least they have an opportunity to do so by turning him heel. I honestly think if he is playing the role of a heel and the crowd is booing him and the crowd is against him because of everything that they have done, he and Tay Conti, I think it's going to feed into what he's doing a little bit better. Instead of forcing him to be a babyface and portraying him as a babyface and the crowd is booing him out of every fucking building he's in, it's not going to be a good look. That's going to make us like him less. That is not good for his character. We're giving all this emotion to somebody and he's playing the wrong part on television. And I honestly think it would be better off for him as I don't give a shit either way. I mean, I don't give a fuck if you hit a little baby face. I'll, I'll cheer for you if I fucking hate you. I don't give a shit as long as what I'm seeing on television is right. If Sammy Guevara, right now, I don't like what, what I'm seeing. If Sammy Guevara's on television being a heel, it's going to make me appreciate him a little bit more because he's going to be cast in the proper role. So that's my take on Sammy Guevara. I honestly think that the TNT title needs to be needs to just stop being hot potatoed. And I think Sammy Guevara needs to be in a heel role so that when we hear those boos, it really makes sense on television. I don't want this to turn into another Roman Reigns situation. As you all know, with Roman Reigns, WWE forced him down our throats and people were booing him out of every fucking building he was in. But WWE did not listen to the audience. He's a, he's a heel, but WWE's pretending he's a babyface. No. And then and they had him come out be a babyface on television. No, it doesn't work that way. No. You need to not take a, a, a complete fucking copy of what Edge and Lita did, but you need to basically be this version, this day and age version of Edge and Lita. Not saying to have live sex celebration on TV, even though I think Tay Conti and Sammy Guevara will probably do that live on TNT, TBS. But you need to take a page out of that book and gain some influence from that. You need to be a modern day, I don't give a fuck about what the fans think type of couple because you are in your own world. You're happy with what you're doing and you think it's right. Fuck everybody else, man. You want to turn your back on me? Fuck you. That's the type of heel Sammy Guevara needs to be. He doesn't really need to drastically change anything. He just needs to really get himself in line to what matches what the emotion of the audience is with this pairing now with Tay Conti. That's my take on that. Thunder Rose and Nyla Rose, you know, I didn't really agree with it from the get-go, and I didn't agree with it when the match was over. This is exactly what I expected. This was a this was a lackluster feud to, to start Thunder Rose's world title run as AEW's women's champion. I don't know why we couldn't pick somebody better. Now, I don't know why they went with Nyla Rose. It seemingly is always Nyla Rose when... It's Thunder Rose, it was Britt Baker, it was Sheeta, it was Riho. It's always Nyla Rose. And Nyla Rose is always the one that gets cast into this role and doesn't win the championship. She has her moments. She's good when she wants to be. She's bad when she wants to be. Tonight she was bad. I did not like the match. It wasn't physical enough for me. I feel like they tippy-toe around. They, they dance around in the ring. And nothing really comes off as impactful. It was a weak match. This is not the type of match that Thunder Rosa should be cast in. This is not the type of opponent that Thunder Rosa should have been put against in her first title defense 
after all these months chasing the title against Nyla Rose. Now, I don't know if that is something I should blame Tony Khan on. I don't know if I should blame AEW Creative. I, I, I don't know if I should blame the fucking overall health and state of the women's division. But Thunder Rosa should not have went against Nyla Rose because it's been done before. I don't think they match up. And the feud itself did not really generate any interest. It was just there because. And I honestly think it was there because, because right now, from what I see, everybody's talking about the Owen Hart Cup and the women's side of the Owen Hart Cup. There's more interest in Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm, which I'm still trying to figure out why. Wink, wink. There's more interest in Jamie Hayter and Tony, Tony Storm than there is in Thunder Rose's title reign, and that should never be. There's more interest in this tournament and who's going to be in the tournament than Thunder Rose's title reign, and that should not be. Before you even put together eight women to be in this tournament, you should have come up with somebody that's going to go up against Thunder Rosa and give her a fulfilling title reign by the time this tournament's over. And we have a tournament right now, which I'm hoping Tony Khan really generates interest for, and the winner of this tournament is the number one contender to Thunder Rosa. Because I do think I do think whoever wins this tournament is going to come out as a great challenge for the women's champion. Nyla Rose was not it. Nyla Rose was not it. Vicky Guerrero did not do anything to enhance this feud. I honestly think that Thunder Rose, every time she gets a microphone in her hand, being cut off by Vicky Guerrero, Nyla Rose was just blatantly fucking stupid. Thunder Rosa cut a great babyface promo the one time, the one dynamite, the week after she got beat up. On Dynamite, she cut a great babyface promo. That's the promo that we sh- that we should have got when she won the championship the following week. I don't understand why AEW just can't get, and, and it's ha- it happened with Britt Baker too. Britt Baker got off to a shit run as AEW's women's champion, and it's seemingly happening to the same in in the same way to, to Thunder Rosa. And I don't want to see that, but I hope that the Owen Hart Cup really gives us a true winner, and we can get something to really sink our teeth into. Because tournaments really do make a lot of new stars. And Tony Khan has not let us down. Every, every, tournament, every tournament he's done, whether it's been something like this, an eliminator tournament to crown a number one contender for the TNT title or the world title, whatever it may be, the AEW tournaments are always really done very well. And I'm having a lot, a lot of excitement about this. I have high hopes for this. So we'll see what happens with, with that. But Thunder Rosa and Nyla Rose, man, did not do a lick of anything for me tonight on Battle of the Belts. And then we got Jonathan Gresham and Dalton Castle for the Ring of Honor world title. I don't really care because we haven't seen them on television. It was just thrown on television to get another match on the Battle of Belts card. But the ultimate whole opinion about Battle of Belts, I, I don't like these tape shows. They feel like one hour throwaway television no real importance to them. They rush through it like they do a regular episode of Rampage. And I didn't really feel anything about anything on tonight's show. So I'm glad I'm not covering it. I'm glad I didn't really go and go live for that specifically because it's a waste of my time. It really is. So that's that. But the main thing is Sammy Guevara and him winning that TNT championship. I really hope that they do him good because he's way too good to be miscast and mistreated by the fans. I hope he I, ho- I hope he knows what he needs to do. Because I don't want to see this end up like another Roman Reigns situation where everybody completely turns their back on him for the wrong reason. 
That's not what I want to see happen to both Sammy Guevara and Tay Conti. Let's get into the news, guys. We got so much to go over, and I want to start at the top. WWE talent is reportedly worried about mass releases incoming. Now, normally, it's around this time after WrestleMania where talents are let go. And we get the bloody day, whether it's a Thursday or a Wednesday, a Friday, where talents are just let go and WWE cites the reason of budget cuts. There's a lot of talent in WWE that are worried that the company is preparing for another round of mass releases. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful.com is reporting that a lot of people worry today, including much of the talent, but at least one higher up said that they did not know of any releases set to happen at all, this week especially. Now, before I continue with the report, you know, nobody's nobody's really going to know unless it's Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon and Nick Khan. Nobody knows. They make the decision behind closed doors. It's a very, very, very elite group of people that know about what they're going to do as far as the financials are concerned. Then it hits everybody else like a John Laurinaitis and he gets the word from upper management and then he's the one that places the phone call. John Laurinaitis don't know. None of the writers know. None of the wrestlers know. It's going to hit them like a baseball bat to the face when it does happen. And the only people that know are Vince McMahon, Bruce Prichard, and Nick Khan. That's it. Maybe Kevin Dunn. That's it. So nobody knows, and whoever Sean Ross Sapp spoke to, he doesn't know. So of course he's going to tell Sean Ross Sapp he doesn't know. Sapp doesn't know anybody up past a very mid-level. Give me a fucking break. The only people that know are people that would never give a report to anybody, a Mike Johnson, a Sean Ross Sapp, a Dave Meltzer, Brian Alvarez, nobody. So give me a break. You're going to know when we all know. That's it. Over the last couple of years, there have been releases on April 15, and the company typically likes to cut costs shortly after WrestleMania. There's nothing coming out of the company right now that indicates that releases are coming out, but with so many names being signed to developmental deals and so many names now being used on TV, one has to assume that budget cuts are coming sooner rather than later. I even made a mock list of people that are going to get released when that time comes. And some of these names, I am not going to be surprised to see on these lists. Shotzi Blackheart, one of them. Drew Gulak, another. Ali, possibly, hopefully, potentially, he gets released, right? Shotzi, Gulak, Ali, T-Bar, a.k.a. Dominic Dijakovic, Mace, who is now apparently with L.A. Knight as his manager, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Zia Lee, where's Zia Lee? WWE spent all this money on a graphics department to get Zia Lee with these comic book-like promos and vignettes, and she's wrestled one match on SmackDown since she got drafted to SmackDown back last year in October. The only Chinese-born athlete to make the WWE main roster, and they've used her one fucking time. One time. The other time that we saw her on SmackDown was coming out to save somebody and potentially feud with Natalia, which is not all that exciting anyway. One time. Zia Lee the protector. What, what is she protecting? 
she protecting the fucking chocolate chip cookies and catering? What is she protecting? The fucking green beans covered in olive oil and fucking nice uh, spices backstage in catering. What is she protecting? Give me a break. She's, she's going to be gone. So all the fucking hype and the fucking PR bullshit that WWE, she'll be gone. Finn Balor's another one. I could see Finn Balor being let go because of his age. He's about to drop the United States Championship on Monday Night Raw to Austin Theory. There's names on this list that I feel just by watching TV, you you just get a sense that they're going to be on their way out. Shotzi Blackheart being one of them, for sure. But releases are going to happen. How many are going to happen? We don't know. When is it going to happen? I don't know. Is it going to span the main roster and the the main roster only? I don't know. Is it going to include NXT? I don't know. We'll know when it happens because you'll see everybody fake complain on social media and none of these talents really I would be surprised by. Just watch the fucking TV show. You'll know who's going to end up on the the budget cut list by Nick Khan just by watching the television show. But I honestly don't think WWE can afford to cut anybody because look at SmackDown. Their roster sucks. They got no roster over there. But yet you want to cut roster members from SmackDown. Meanwhile, your roster can't even fit two hours of television on Friday night over there. It's amazing. The Viking Raiders are another one. I, I could see them being let go. Useless. Absolutely useless. You just watch the television show and you can see who is going to stay and who's going to be cut. The names that I just mentioned, I could see absolutely being on the budget cut list when the time is right. Vince McMahon. He no longer wants wrestlers using their real names. Even if it is also a take on character, he doesn't want any part of the pro wrestler's real name in their stage name on WWE television. There's a story behind all of the current recent name changes on WWE television. It's not uncommon to see wrestlers have their names changed when they move to the main roster. I don't know why, and I mentioned this on one of the shows I did this week, but the changes have been happening more frequently than usual. It was reported on the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that a memo was sent out after Vince McMahon decided that he no longer wants wrestlers using their real name, and he doesn't want them using the name that they used on the independent scene as well. You know, this is what boggles my fucking mind, man. They all get brought in, or they all did get brought in, to NXT when Triple H was there, and they always got new names. But now that Triple H is not in charge anymore, and management is now Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon on Tuesday night, now they're taking everything that Triple H did as far as name, and they're changing that as well because they don't want any part of anything he did on television. Now, this doesn't go for everybody. You're not going to change somebody's name on the main roster that's been on the main roster, like a Ricochet, that's been there for three years, four years on the main roster. You're not going to take his name and change it all of a sudden out of the blue. This only happens when you're called up to the main roster from NXT. Walter had his his name changed to Gunther. Walter's not going to be used because, A, it's a Triple H name, right? He made his name under Triple H in WWE, Walter was his name before he even joined WWE. So he got the double whammy. His name was Walter in the Indies, on the Indies, and his name was Walter in NXT under Triple H. He made a great name under Triple H in NXT, the longest reigning NXT UK champion of all time. Dominant. 
he was going to go on to be one of the biggest things, if booked correctly, in the WWE. He got the double whammy. Got an independent name over in WWE. That independent name was really overseen by Triple H. So when he made it to the main roster, they couldn't wait to change this, this guy's fucking name. Gunther. Gunther. The other names that were seen changed, Butch, right? Pete Dunne. Terrible name. He's not going to go anywhere with that name. He's not main eventing WrestleMania with that name ever. And so on and so forth. You guys get that. Ludwig, uh, Ludwig Kaiser is Marcel Bartel now. Raquel Gonzalez is Raquel Rodriguez. It doesn't make any sense. Gonzalez is her, her, her stage name. Raquel, I believe, Victoria is her first name, I believe. Gonzalez is her legit last name. They took that away from her. Her name is Victoria Gonzalez. Her in real life name is Victoria Gonzalez, but WWE has a problem with Gonzalez. I don't get that. I don't get it. WWE has a fucking problem with names, whether it's changing anything that came up from NXT or cutting somebody's name in half. My problem is you make it to NXT, you're given this character, you're given this name. I don't understand why they're given names that WWE hasn't already trademarked from the word go. That's my concern. Every one of these names should have been trademarked. Pete Dunne, Victoria, or Raquel Gonzalez should have been trademarked. I believe they already had Walter, the name Walter, trademarked to use in WWE. He gave up the trademark. I I seen the fucking document floating around online. I don't understand why they make it to NXT and they don't have names that they're going to really take to the main roster. This is what pisses people off. When you see somebody like Pete Dunne who's operated in NXT for five years, they built an entire fucking brand around him. Walter, they built an entire fucking title around him. And they get changed on the main roster. That's what pisses people off. It's taking a step backwards. It's starting over. But there's a reason to their madness. There is a method to their madness. This is all Triple H. Raquel Gonzalez... Heavily pushed by Triple H. Walter, heavily pushed by Triple H. Pete Dunne, heavily pushed by Triple H. It all goes back to what I've been saying for for years. It's all, let's fuck over Triple H and the Triple H NXT agenda. They blackballed him. No matter what you see, and oh my God, heart attack, and this and that, and he retired, all that. Yeah, it's great. It's great. There's business and there's personal. I'm sure his family loves him. I'm sure Vince loves him as a family man, as a businessman. He's set out to destroy everything that he's done in NXT. No reason why Pete Dunne's name needed to be changed. There's no reason why Raquel Gonzalez's name needed to be changed. There's no reason why Walter's name or Marcel Bartel's name needed to be changed at all. It's petty and it's bullshit. And it makes your show that much more fucking ridiculous. And people don't like it. But WWE, oh, it's intellectual property. It's this and that. They could trademark it. Give me a fucking break. You should not be able to walk in the door and spend five years on television if your fucking name is not fucking trademarked or your intellectual property is not taken care of. It's bullshit. It's a bullshit reason. These are the same people that fucking came to me and said, oh, CFO money. Oh, yeah, there's a licensing issue. Give me a fucking break. It's a licensing issue because you're too fucking cheap to pay for the fucking music. That's why. Meanwhile, Matt Riddle still has the CFO money theme. Bianca Belair still has her CFO money theme. Shinsuke Nakamura and Finn Balor still have their CFO money deal theme music. Give me a break. It's what they want when they want it for who they want it. It's bullshit. 
They changed the name because they want to change the name because of where they came from. Not because of intellectual property. You should not be able to walk into NXT with a fucking name and then have your name changed after six years. It's like watching Breaking Bad and fucking Jesse's name being changed on the goddamn show. Walter White. Imagine watching four four seasons of Walter White on Breaking Bad and then he goes by fucking Walter whatever. Or he, he changed his name completely. Fucking ridiculous. Doesn't work that way. Nobody has a level-headed brain or mind to think or ask questions. I'm asking questions. So he doesn't want anybody using their real names. Also noted that the memo only applies to newer wrestlers. So obviously, this doesn't affect anybody that's on the main roster right now. Like a ricochet, like I mentioned. The report mentions Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton, Ronda Rousey, Cody Rhodes, etc., etc. Now, Raul Mendoza's name was changed. Raul Mendoza's name is changed to Cruz del Toro. I mean, I I just don't have any more energy to fucking care. Watch Legado del Fantasma on TV for two years, and then they change his name to Cruz del Toro. He's Raul Mendoza to me. Why'd they change his name? Because his real first name is Raul. Petty. Absolutely petty. Of all the fucking things that are wrong with this company, that is what they're focusing on. Changing somebody's name. It's unbelievable. WWE has announced a pay-per-view in the United Kingdom for the first time in 30 years. This is unbelievable. United Kingdom is getting a pay-per-view major stadium event in the Principality Stadium, formerly known as the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff, Wales. This is Saturday, September 3rd. A name for the show has not been announced. This will be the first time that WWE has taken a show overseas since SummerSlam 1992 at Wembley Stadium. Wales will provide an iconic location for WWE's return to the UK after 30 years and the showcase of our brand, our country, to a global audience of millions, including extending reach in the USA. So this is set to be the perfect addition to a huge year of sports, entertainment, and culture in Wales that will attract people from across the globe to experience what our country has to offer. This is coming from Welsh Government Minister for Economy, Vaughn Gething. He said this in a statement about WWE nailing down this show for the first time in 30 years since Wembley Stadium in 1992. I think that's going to be great, man. I believe there's so much interest in this show that WWE is set to sell it out on day one. And I hope that they do. Because there's no fans better than the United Kingdom fans, man. They are absolutely rabid, and they are thirsty for pro wrestling. It's going to be the same thing when AEW goes over there for the first time. It's going to sell out incredibly quick. I don't know when the last time was... And what the exact time and date was when the WWE had a live show over in the United Kingdom, or any show in in particular, really. I I don't even know if they did anything recently with the pandemic taping SmackDowns over there. They usually go over there on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. They usually tape after WrestleMania. They go overseas and tour the United Kingdom after WrestleMania. I don't think WWE has had anything TV taped since a couple of years now, a few years actually. This is great, and I love to see something like this because I love the fans over in the U.K. I have a lot of people watching from the U.K., watching me particularly, 
So I'm very grateful for you guys over there. I'd love to come visit. I'd love to do a fucking full-blown meet and greet over there. And I might, I might give this one a thought, to be honest with you, because I've never been to the United Kingdom. And, and quite honestly, it would be very easy for me to go from the United Kingdom over to, uh, over to Dublin and sit myself down in a nice Irish pub and have some fucking ice-cold Guinness the real way. So I'd love to do that myself. But as far as this is concerned, and WWE already getting this out in the open and now this being publicly announced, Roman Reigns is not losing this championship anytime soon. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Roman Reigns is not losing this championship anytime soon. The Unified World Heavyweight Championship. Roman Reigns will defend this championship at this show, and Drew McIntyre will be his opponent. That is going to be the match for Roman Reigns and the WWE going into this show. It will be Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns for the Unified Universal and WWE Championships. There's no other person I want to see in that setting, but Drew McIntyre. That's it. It needs to be done. He's been asking for an event over there. I know he's been pushing for a match with fucking uh, Tyson Fury. Nobody wants to see that. This is it. He asked for it. He got it. He needs to be there. He's not going to beat Roman, but I honestly think with him being there and him being a part of that and him being built up correctly to potentially take down Roman, for Roman to win in that stadium with 50,000 people, And him beating Drew McIntyre, it's only going to add to everything that Roman Reigns is before he eventually drops that title to whoever it is, hopefully Cody. I think Cody's the right guy to do it. I I don't think that Roman is needing the titles to go into WrestleMania next year against The Rock, which I do think will happen. I I do think that McIntyre versus Roman Reigns is the match that WWE is going to be pushing over there for this show, and that is Labor Day weekend. Now, the other question is, what is AEW going to do? Their uh, all-out show is usually in Chicago Labor Day weekend. Does AEW do all-out after this show is over on a Sunday? Following this Saturday, that same weekend? I hope not, because I'd like to be in Chicago. I'd like to be in Chicago for all-out. I've been in Chicago for every all-out so far. And for all-in. I'd like to be there. Does AEW do it the following Sunday, the very next day? Do they do it the week before? Do they do it the following week? I I don't know. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Tony Khan does to combat WWE falling on Labor Day weekend to do this UK show in Cardiff Wells. So we'll see what happens. But Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre is the match I prefer to see in that setting. I think it would be massive, not only for the country, but for WWE and Drew McIntyre. Speaking of WWE going overseas, they are returning to Saudi Arabia. 
WWE will be returning to Saudi Arabia for the second time in 2022. Later this year, PW Insider reports that the plans for WWE to return to the country are being finalized right now. The early word is that they will hold their next show around Halloween, either the final week of October or the first week of November. The company has a 10-year partnership with the Saudi General Sports Authority, where they're being paid big money to host two events in the country per year. WWE has missed out on holding two shows in late 2020 and early 2021 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Their previous show took place on February 19th, 2022 for the Elimination Chamber event. In the main event, Brock Lesnar won the WWE Championship in an Elimination Chamber match. If it's going to be around Halloween, I don't know when Hell in a Cell is taking place. I would assume that WWE, I know WWE did Hell in a Cell last year a little bit early, But if WWE is going back and doing Hell in a Cell around Halloween would probably be the right time for them to do Hell in a Cell. I don't know. But I think WWE is kind of easing themselves in to not do a super showdown or not do a crown jewel, one of these one-off shows that don't really mean much of anything. I like the fact that they've actually taken these Saudi shows. I wish they weren't over in Saudi. But I like the fact that WWE is taking these Saudi shows and they're just incorporating them in the pay-per-view calendar and they're not one-off shows that WWE is... uh, Hell in a Cell is in June. Issa, thank you so much. Issa texts me and tells me Hell in a Cell is in June. So I don't know what what they'll do in uh, in October then. I don't know. Hell in a Cell is in June. I don't know why it's in June. I really don't get that. But... What I was trying to say is I I like the fact that WWE is incorporating their regular pay-per-view calendar, their regular pay-per-view schedule, their events into the Saudi shows. It's the same calendar, but they got to travel 18 hours overseas to go wrestle in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Fine. I like that better instead of building towards a legit WWE pay-per-view and then a one-off show in Saudi Arabia where things just kind of get messed up. And they get thrown together and nothing really feels important. And WWE at the end of the day is booking two pay-per-views in the same month and booking storylines to go into two pay-per-views and nothing really comes off as important. So that's what I'm happy about, that they're finally grounding themselves and incorporating their regular pay-per-view schedule, their regular pay-per-view events into these Saudi shows. Like Elimination Chamber. because the first time Elimination Chamber was held overseas. I like that. I really do like that. So I hope that WWE continues to do that with these Saudi shows. And the next one apparently is taking place in October. What they do, I don't know. I don't know. Then we got Survivor Series in November, which I hope is completely changed from the way we've seen it the last couple of years with now the brand split kind of up in the air and the unification of the world titles with Roman Reigns and the tag team titles with RK-Bro and the Usos being finalized at Backlash. So I don't know how Survivor Series is going to look this year. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be a very interesting uh, last quarter of the year for WWE. They also don't have any plans for SummerSlam. So this is not surprising at all because WWE does not invest in long-term booking. WWE currently does not have any plans for SummerSlam, and a report has emerged because of this per Ringside News, which has several backstage reports confirmed by the likes of Fightful and Dave Meltzer, especially lately, WWE does not have a single match locked down for the July 30th events in Nashville, Tennessee. Between now 
and the biggest party of the summer. Fans have WrestleMania backlash, Hell in a Cell, Money in the Bank, as premium live events to look forward to. The Ringside News report noted that WWE just got WrestleMania backlash booked ahead of May 8. The names advertised for backlash include Roman Reigns, Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey, Seth Rollins, and now RK Bro and the Usos with their match now being finalized for a unification match for the tag team titles on both Raw and SmackDown. We don't know what else is going on. Sonya Deville versus Bianca Belair, Charlotte versus Ronda, and RK Bro versus the Usos. I'm assuming it's going to be Roman Reigns versus Shinsuke Nakamura because that's what they've been building to on WWE television. It's a nice one-off feud for Roman Reigns. Nobody expects Nakamura to win the title. It is what it is. But as far as SummerSlam is concerned, it needs to be big. It needs to be big. Do we see Cody Rhodes go into SummerSlam with the world championship match that he's wanted all these years? I don't know. Money in the Bank is also in the same month as SummerSlam. Money in the Bank takes place the first week of July, I believe. SummerSlam is happening July 30th. So Cody Rhodes win the Money in the Bank and then take it to SummerSlam and cash in on Roman Reigns like a babyface would. I don't know. WWE has no plans ever for long-term booking, so I'm not surprised by this report whatsoever. They will do what they want, and SummerSlam will be booked right after Money in the Bank is over. They'll give themselves four weeks to build SummerSlam, and that's how they operate business. This is why people, you know, you're all foolish for thinking, and I said this about Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch. If you think, if you think WWE booked Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch in 26 seconds at SummerSlam last year with the idea that they were going to pay it off at WrestleMania this year with Bianca Belair getting her revenge, you're a blithering fucking idiot. They only came up with that match in the week, uh, I I would say, not the week, the the month leading into WrestleMania, and WWE, they had, after Elimination Chamber was over, they were like, all right, we'll do it. We'll do it. That's it. They had nobody else. They had nobody else on on the roster for Becky Lynch, but Bianca Belair. I don't understand how people think that WWE invests themselves in long-term booking. They never had a fucking plan to do that match until it stared them in the face and they had nobody else but Bianca Belair. Same thing here. WWE does not invest in long-term booking. Ever. They will book SummerSlam with four weeks to go. We won't know a fucking match on that show until the second week of July. Speaking of somebody that I could absolutely see at SummerSlam, John Cena. John Cena apparently is always on call for a WWE return when he is needed. A report came out yesterday saying that John Cena is being discussed for a return in June. Now, while that might not happen, we don't know, depending on his movie schedule and his availability, WWE hasn't started dropping any kind of clues about John Cena returning to television just yet. Now, Ringside News asked around about John Cena's possible return this summer. They were told that John Cena is always on call. That is being considered to say that Cena has been discussed for a June return is misleading. People were saying that John Cena was set to return to the company this summer. So anything that you heard about John Cena returning to the company this summer, Ringside News says those reports and those headlines have been misleading. So don't believe them. We were told here at Ringside News that Cena is always on call, and that prompted an immediate follow-up question 
For more clarification, the current situation is that Cena is available to WWE and under contract to WWE for several more years. That means Vince McMahon's company can book him, but it also means they can call him whenever they need him, especially in situations like happened that or that like that happened last year with Roman Reigns. They had no major main event for Roman Reigns at SummerSlam, and in comes John Cena. So it's one of those situations again when they need him, they'll call him. When they want something as far as interest is concerned, they'll call him when they need him. WWE, I mean, I, I love John Cena. I think John Cena makes WWE television better. I'd love for him to be ingrained in WWE television again, like Edge. But I think we're, we're well past that, to be honest with you. I don't think WWE is going to do anything as far as John Cena on a regular basis with him being on television again. So WWE will call him when they need him. When they're desperate, they'll call John Cena. But I don't even... I don't even care if he comes back or not because WWE even botched his return last year. That whole Roman Reigns match was fucking, it was bad. There's nothing about it that resonated with me at all. WWE went right into that with Roman Reigns and John Cena like they usually do everything. They had the fucking stadium sold out. They had a Legion stadium sold out for SummerSlam. And knowing that, they did not give you any effort for Roman Reigns and John Cena. They all expected you to go watch and go pay to see SummerSlam and watch SummerSlam at home. Oh yeah, we'll book Roman Reigns versus John Cena. The match had no fucking intensity at all. The feud had no intensity. The promo back and forth between John Cena and Roman Reigns was a huge letdown. In fact, I enjoyed their first go-around. Many years ago at No Mercy. I enjoyed that more than I did what we saw with this version of Roman Reigns. But that's what WWE does. They sell it out. They didn't really need a major main event. You already fucking bought your ticket to go see the show. And knowing that they already got your money, they did what they always do. They go into a major main event match like this with fucking no effort. No effort at all. So I'm not going to be excited about John Cena's return because anything that happens like this, I'm going to go back to that Roman Reigns-John Cena match and WWE's going to put no effort into it because they're going to book him at a major show. You're going to watch said major show. John Cena's going to be part of said major show. And it's not going to be anything important. And it's not going to come off as important because they already got your fucking money and they already got your interest. It sucks. It's a very vicious cycle. But what WWE should have did with John Cena and Roman Reigns, they should have built that up as a major, major, major money match. And it came off as anything else. Anything else that Roman Reigns did against a B-level fucking superstar. That's what that match felt like to me. It was awful. And the match itself wasn't even all that good either. Producer, Pat Buck. I talked about this on, I believe it was an extra I did. Pat Buck. If you didn't watch the extra, I'm going to go over it briefly here. Pat Buck leaving WWE. Quit WWE after WrestleMania. Is now already working with AEW. This was just over a little week, uh, a little bit, uh, a week after quitting WrestleMania and quitting WWE. Pat Buck is now working for AEW. PW Insiders reporting that Buck started with AEW as a producer, and a source says that he was actually at last week's Dynamite. Along with Michael Hayes, Buck helped produce two WrestleMania matches, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns and Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair. Buck reportedly cited wanting to have more time with his family is one of the reasons why he left and the schedule would not allow that with WWE. Obviously, AEW's schedule will grant him a lot more time at home with his family. He also stated that he'd like to achieve his goal of producing at least one WrestleMania main event. This year, he got two. 
Buck also did some work in the WWE Talent Relations Department as he's been helping to scout potential new signings. Buck's, Buck's jump to AEW is not surprising because he had a lot of friends and former students there. He co-owns the Creator Pro Wrestling Academy in Long Island, New York, and New Jersey with Brian Myers, who works for Impact Wrestling. Some of the names to come out of that school include Hook, Chris Statlander, and, most notably, MJF. I find this to be funny, and I said this on my extra when I talked about this particular story. You know, I don't really get how you have these aspirations to produce a pro wrestling match at the biggest wrestling show of the entire year in the world, and you get not one but two, and then after that, you quit. You get up and quit. I don't understand that. It's like you reach the top of the mountain and you don't want to stay at the top of the mountain. You've reached the pinnacle of this industry in the role that you've been given, and now you want to quit because you tasted that little that little taste of, all oh, producing a match at WrestleMania. I don't understand that. If I was Pat Buck, no matter the schedule or not, I don't know if he enjoyed producing matches or not. Clearly he does, being that he just jumped to AEW in the same fucking breath that he left WWE. I don't know why if you're at the top and you've achieved your goal, why you wouldn't want to do it the next year and the next year and the next year. You know, Roman Reigns is not going to be in the main event match of WrestleMania forever. Who's to say that you don't get a young up-and-coming talent that you get to produce and really get to make shine in the main event of WrestleMania? You stepped away because of one reason and one reason only. Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns sucked. It's one of the worst WrestleMania main events ever. And Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair shit the bed. So not once but twice, you shit the bed and your name was attached to that. Now you're in AEW. Clearly you're on the road. You're not on the road as much as with WWE, but you're on the road. You're away from your family. You're not away from your family as much with AEW like you were with WWE. You get to do more of what you want to do. Spend time with your family. Do create a pro. But you left the company and you put out this bullshit statement on social media because you never left on your own accord. You got fired. That's the reason. This is a bullshit story. I don't even think I want him in AEW. To be perfectly honest with you, I don't, know why, I don't even know why Tony Khan brought him into the company. If anything to go on is what we saw at WrestleMania, I don't know why he would be brought into AEW. Bullshit story. They probably gave him the time to come up with a statement and save grace, and he put out some bullshit sob story, but ultimately, when WrestleMania was over, the two matches that people were fucking heavily criticizing were the two matches that he was a part of. You don't think internally people heard that? And apparently, from what I read, the match with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar went the exact way it was produced and laid out. So exactly why did he leave? He left because he finally achieved his WrestleMania main event? Or he or he left because he failed, not once but twice, and WWE heard the backlash, and instead of firing Michael Hayes, who was also a part of the Roman Reigns match, who do you think they're going to get rid of? Michael Hayes? Or they're going to get rid of Pat Buck? They're going to get rid of Pat Buck. It's a bullshit fucking story. I don't believe for a second that he just left and quit just to go produce with another fucking company. If he wanted to quit producing, think about it. If he wanted to quit WWE and spend more time with his family and do Creator Pro, he would not be producing for AEW. He would have went to Creator Pro, worried about his wrestling academy, and spent more time with his family, but he's producing for AEW. Give me a break. 
So what did WWE do in the interim? How did they replace poor old Pat Buck? They got Joe Henning, Curtis Axel, and Arya Davari. They weren't backstage at last night's SmackDown on Fox. Fightful reported that Curtis Axel, a.k.a. Joe Henning, worked backstage as a producer. He was known as Curtis Axel on WWE TV, the son of Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. The report stated that Henning had uh, helped produce a match between Sasha Banks and Liv Morgan. He was helped by Tyson Kidd. Also, former WWE star Arya Davari, under Abyss, helped produce the match between Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn. Now, both of those matches, I, I don't know what had happened because I didn't watch SmackDown. I, I felt like I didn't really need to. But I know the Drew McIntyre Sami Zayn match was another countout. Three minutes or so, and the match with Sasha Banks and... Oh, who was it? Sasha Banks last night wrestled? Who did she wrestle? I don't even know. Was it, was it Liv Morgan? Whatever the case may be, it, it, it doesn't really make a difference. Who's producing these matches? It all gets finalized by Vince McMahon. Heading was released by the company in April 2020 and has not done anything in pro wrestling since he was cut. Divari was released in July of 2021 as part of, the, a part of the mass budget cuts related to the pandemic. He's been very active on the independent scene. He's even appeared on AEW Dark and one episode of Rampage in a loss to Dante Mart. So, listen, I'm all, I'm all for WWE bringing in actual professional wrestlers to, you know, that are still young and get with the times. I'm still with that, that they're bringing in guys that could produce, like a Davari, like a Joe Henning. That's fine. But as far as I'm concerned, what difference does it make? What difference does it make? And at the end of the day, it all gets it all gets finalized by Vince McMahon. Nobody proofreads anything. Just watch WWE television. They, they approve whatever the fuck they want, and, and that's it. Same thing. You see the same thing every fuck. If you saw one Brock Lesnar match and Roman Reigns match, you saw them all. It's terrible. It's the same shit every fucking week. Women's matches getting three minutes on SmackDown. How how much effort does it take to produce a three minute fucking match on SmackDown? For Sasha Banks and Liv Morgan. Or count out victory for Drew McIntyre over Sami Zayn. How long does it take to... How much brain power does it take to produce something like that? That's why I don't really understand how bad the Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar match was. It was blatantly put out there because of sheer laziness. So It's fucking stupid. I don't give a shit who they got back there producing. It's all the same shit. As soon as you get there, you gotta follow the WWE way. They're not free to do whatever the fuck they want. They got to maintain the boundaries of what WWE wants and needs from them. Nobody can go in there and be themselves. That's why everything feels the fucking same on, on WWE television. No matter if it's Raw, NXT, or SmackDown. It all feels the same. It doesn't matter who the fuck is there. It doesn't. And the only reason why Pat Buck got fucking canned was because those matches were shit on completely by everybody. And they were not going to fire Michael Hayes over a Pat Buck. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who is there. It doesn't. They got to follow the WWE way, and if you don't, goodbye. SmackDown. Viewership dipped for the 4-8 episode. I don't have yesterday's ratings because it was yesterday, and we won't find that out till Monday. This was a WrestleMania episode, post-WrestleMania episode. The WrestleMania uh, Raw was nothing like a WrestleMania Raw, and this was more of a WrestleMania Raw than WrestleMania Raw was. For the SmackDown show. Friday Night SmackDown 
This is last Friday, 2.23 million on Fox. That's down from 2.35 million. This is according to Showbuzz Daily. In the 18 to 49 demo, the show did a 0.6 rating from, uh, that's down from a 0.61 a week ago. This was the go home edition of WrestleMania 38. LA Knight. This is what everybody was talking about, man. I was at the House of Glory show. And I was at the House of Glory show, and I'm reading reports, and I put out a tweet, keep me updated, keep me updated on SmackDown. I said, when the cat is away, the mice will play. So what typically happens with these shows. The last time I did a fucking House of Glory show, when I was doing commentary with Solomonster, Pete Dunne came out and debuted his fucking butch. We don't want anything like that to happen on a normal day, but when I'm away and I'm not reviewing the show, it happens even more so. Last night, I was getting tweets about LA Knight working a SmackDown dark match as a manager for Mace. Now, LA Knight and Mace worked last night's SmackDown dark match in a tryout for a potential new alliance on the main roster. Now, it was noted back in early April that WWE officials were discussing a potential call-up for LA Knight, which would bring him from NXT to either Raw or SmackDown. One WWE creative team pitched LA Knight as a manager on the main roster due to his incredible mic work. There was no word on if the managerial role was favored overnight, being a regular in-ring talent, but the role was pitched. I thought it was a mistake from just a thought. I think whoever thought of this for LA Knight, team or individual, should have been fucking fired. I think that's a terrible idea. Clearly, you don't have the guy, as far as LA Knight is concerned, you don't have his best interest at heart. You don't. And now, I don't know what WWE thinks of LA Knight. LA Knight's 38 years old. LA Knight is nearing 40. You know what WWE thinks of people like LA Knight. I don't think that way because I think LA Knight still has a lot left in the tank, and I think he could be a great addition to any fucking roster that he's on. And SmackDown needs talent, in-ring talent, not managers. I don't understand it. Now, in an update... Coming out of last night's SmackDown from Worcester, Massachusetts, we saw LA Knight act as the manager for Mace, who defeated Eric of the Viking Raiders. The Viking Raiders are going to be on Nick Khan's budget cut list. No doubt about it. If you're in dark matches putting over Mace, who hasn't been on TV since the fucking brand split, the draft, and LA Knight is working with Mace, and you're jobbing to fucking Mace, your days are numbered, bro. Your days are numbered. Now, the match ended with Mace delivering a leaping leg lariat to Eric, which came after Knight causing a distraction. Knight wearing a suit also cut a pre-match promo. He declared that he was launching Knight Model Management, and his first client is Mace. Mace was wearing a blazer and Air Jordans. Now, there's no word on if Knight and his Knight Model Management faction will be brought to Raw or SmackDown after tonight's tryout or last night's tryout, but we will keep you guys updated on anything that happens with LA Knight, and I will definitely keep you updated as far as what I think on this story as we see it progress. Knight has worked a few main roster matches before SmackDown last night. He took a loss to Odyssey Jones at the WrestleMania 38 ticket party last year, defeating Roderick Strong in a dark match on January 21st, and then defeated Cedric Alexander on the January 27th edition of WWE Main Event. 
Now, Mace, he's been teaming with T-Bar, <coughs> T-Bag, who's also going to be on the Nick Khan budget cut list on the Raw brand, but he was sent to SmackDown in the WWE draft last year. Now, since he has worked just one match, and that was the Thanksgiving Battle Royal on November 26th, we haven't seen much or heard much of anything from Mace. So I don't know why anybody would be excited about fucking L.A. Knight teaming with Mace. Knight has not been seen on NXT 2.0 since losing to Gunther at the recent NXT Stand and Deliver event during WrestleMania 38 weekend. It was reported back in January that WWE officials were very high right now on Knight and that a post-WrestleMania call-up was being considered. It was also a time when officials were high up on Mace, who was also a former Retribution member, also a former Raw commentator, if you guys know. Remember, he was under the name of Dio Madden. I, I want to shit on this. I do. I want to shit on it, and I want to bury it. But this is not like Adam Cole. It's like Adam Cole, but it's not like Adam Cole. Adam Cole is not even in his fucking prime yet. Adam Cole is 32 years old. Adam Cole is a world champion caliber wrestler. On any roster, he's one of the best pro wrestlers on the face of the fucking planet. LA Knight is a very good pro wrestler. I think LA Knight's great. I think LA Knight would bring... If LA Knight is challenging for a world championship... Nobody's challenging for a world championship right now. Get it out of your fucking skulls. Okay? LA Knight's not winning world championships on the main roster. He's not. Roman Reigns is not losing that championship. He's not losing that championship anytime soon. So no matter who gets called up, nobody should be talking about world titles until Roman Reigns is removed from the top of the card. That needs to be said, number one. Is LA Knight possibly a world champion caliber pro wrestler? Yeah, he could be anything if he fucking wants. LA Knight's great. But L.A. Knight, being a manager, I don't see how you think this is the best role for him when you have a SmackDown brand. And if he ends up on SmackDown as a manager, I, 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 I don't know. I'm going to be more confused at the situation because they need L.A. Knight, the in-ring performer, not L.A. Knight, the fucking manager wearing a fucking suit every week. This guy can bring so much to the table as far as making a United States championship prestigious, making an intercontinental championship prestigious. But you find him and his value at a cap as a manager, and that is it. Now, Adam Cole, if Adam Cole was made a manager, he would have had his name changed, he probably would have had his hair cut, probably would have had fucking Bebe, boom, taken away from him. He would have never been anything ever again. And when he left WWE, after all that time being a manager, and he went back to the Indies, seeing him back as Adam Cole, boom, bay, bay, it wasn't going to resonate the same way because we would have been without Adam Cole all those years, seeing him as a fucking manager. Adam Cole was supposed to be a manager reporter for Keith Lee on the main roster. Thank God that did not happen, and they're both in a much better place. But I'm not going to compare this to... Adam Cole because Adam Cole's 32 years old and LA Knight is nearing 40. I get why WWE is making LA Knight a manager. I do. I don't think it's right. I think it's fucking horrendous. But 
I think L.A. Knight is so fucking good that he could really be the one guy to be a manager and also be an in-ring performer. That's the only way I would accept this. That is the only way I would accept this. We haven't seen this on, and, and believe me, I'm, I'm fucking shocking myself that I'm giving this a fucking chance. I'm shocking myself. I don't know why you need to change anything about LA Knight from what we saw of him on NXT to the fucking main roster. Put him in a feud with Ricochet, boom, 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 and make him the Intercontinental Champion. That's what I'd do. So don't misconstrue my fucking words. That's what I would do. But from my perspective here, we haven't seen it on TV yet. I don't know why we're choosing Mace. Maybe Mace is not the only one. Maybe they got an idea. Maybe Mace is just a part of the fucking entire faction that they've devised for LA Knight. What I'm trying to say is LA Knight is so fucking good that he could really span the managerial aspect and the in-ring aspect as well. Who's to say that this doesn't really add to LA Knight, the character, on TV And right now, he's just portraying himself to be a manager. Who's to say we don't see him as an in-ring talent eventually? Who's to say he's not developing a fucking faction and building a faction around himself to really enhance his heel act on the main roster to ultimately get him in the ring? So then at that point, he's got muscle around him and he really has that, that whole build around him that he could confidently take into a feud and be that heel. It's a lot It's a lot better to look at L.A. Knight as a heel with a group of fucking big men around him in a faction than L.A. Knight just by himself. He can handle himself, but this is WWE. They got to change everything about who you see on NXT television because this was a Triple H guy. Triple H hired him. William Regal hired him. You got to understand, I'm not going to immediately shit on this. I'm not. L.A. Knight is so talented that he could really be that breakout guy to manage and wrestle. And it's not something that we've seen in a very long time. It's something that really doesn't fit the model of WWE current TV. But if he's the one to do that, who's to say he's not going to kill it? I don't want to sit here and downplay L.A. Knight and doubt L.A. Knight. The guy can talk his fucking ass off. When the guy speaks, you listen. When he speaks, you drop the fucking phone that you have in your hand and you listen to the guy talk. Guy could sell you fucking, the guy could sell you anything. That's how good he is. Let's give him a chance. I don't think WWE's creative is all that bright. If that's the best that they got for him and they don't let him wrestle, then I'll reassess the situation and I'll go back to this and then I'll fucking change my tune. But it is very rare for me to see something as far as potential in somebody because of WWE creative and how I know they are. But I'm not going to do that with LA Knight. I'm not. I think they know how good he is. In all ways. I just want to see them do right. I know we shouldn't trust them. But if the Cody Rhodes situation is how it is right now. And they've done it perfectly. I don't want to say I'm going to change my tune about giving WWE chance. But LA Knight, man, is a different story. This is not Adam Cole. Adam Cole has no business being a fucking manager. Neither does L.A. Knight. But L.A. Knight on WWE TV to them at his age. Listen, I'm going to give it a chance. Same thing with The Miz. I would like this is the this is the exact role 
that I'd like to see The Miz. I don't think The Miz has anything else to accomplish in WWE. I would love to see The Miz. When his career is over, this is the role I foresee The Miz in. I see him being, I still see him being a part of WWE television. I, I see The Miz on WWE television leading a faction of fucking men that he hires, being their mouthpiece. I honestly think The Miz is more valuable now as a mouthpiece than he is as a pro wrestler. So they're doing with LA Knight with what they should be doing with The Miz. That's what I think. This, this is The Miz's role. I don't get why LA Knight's doing it. I think he's great. I think he should be an in-ring performer, but this is really a tailor-made position for The Miz. That's how I feel. But we'll see what happens. Mace? I don't know how this guy's going to get over, man. I don't know how. It's all, it, it, from, also, from a, a different perspective, I can see them setting LA not up for failure, to be honest with you. Who the fuck gives a shit about Mace? Who, who cares about Mace? Mace has done nothing. I don't think Mace is all that good in the ring either. But he's going to be his lackey, right? LA Knight's going to be there, and he's in, in control of Mace. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. I'm going to give it a chance. I want to see him make it to television. I want to see that presence by LA Knight. I want to see what they continue to add to this. And I want to see if they actually do the 50-50 with LA Knight and him being a manager and an in-ring performer. I think it would be a fucking crime if you don't have him in the ring. So good is LA Knight. Backstage news on why Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar was so short at WrestleMania. Now, this match went 12 minutes. At WrestleMania. I I would like to forget it, but it went 12 minutes at WrestleMania. There was talk that perhaps the match ended abruptly because Roman Reigns suffered some sort of injury to his arm or shoulder. The match length falls in line with many of Lesnar's matches that WWE has gone out there and, and have done for years now. It falls in line with everything that Lesnar's done. And WWE has hyped this match up as the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. It seemed to fall flat to many fans. It did not live up to the tagline and the hype that WWE gave this match. Now, during his appearance on last Sunday's podcast for The Observer, Meltzer confirmed that Reigns was not injured and the match played out exactly as they laid it out. Meltzer said, and take this with a grain of salt, I I don't know if this is legit or not, but Meltzer is out there, and this is pretty fucking big if he's claiming that this is the case. This is a lot riding on it. It's it's easy to go out there and and say something if you're Meltzer, but this is a pretty big fucking story. Reigns was not hurt. He was not injured. He says, and I quote, that's not even true. Meltzer said about the rumors that Reigns was injured. The match was what it was. That was the match that was laid out. That's the nature of the way they put Lesnar matches together, which is boom, 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 big move, big move. It was not a bad match by any means, but it was a Brock Lesnar match. No different from many others. Roman Reigns was not hurt. And the match that was laid out is the match that we got. And it did not end abruptly, even though it did feel like it ended abruptly. I thought the match was fucking terrible, and I thought it was one of the worst WrestleMania main events that I've seen in many, many, many years. Wasn't John Cena and Miz level bad, but it was fucking terrible. The Lesnar-Reigns feud is over, and Reigns is moving on to what I think is Shinsuke Nakamura. WWE has not said who Reigns will face next. 
at WrestleMania Backlash, but seeing that it was Nakamura who showed up and confronted him, it may be Nakamura at Backlash. House shows. They've been advertising Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. There's no word yet on what Lesnar is doing or when he will be back on WWE TV. I do know that he's advertised for Money in the Bank, and I do know that Lesnar is being advertised for SummerSlam, which I assume he will be back definitely on WWE TV by the time SummerSlam rolls around. And like I said before, those two shows are happening in the same month, so they'll get uh, two for the price of one for Brock Lesnar in July for SummerSlam and Money in the Bank. The match was laid out the way the way it was, and that's what we got. So I even said it on Twitter. I, you know, Roman Reigns, there might have been some, it looked like there was some inflammation, and I didn't even know in the moment if Roman Reigns was hurt. I, I just thought he was just a master of his craft, and he was selling. And we don't really know if Roman Reigns was hurt. We're not going to know if Roman Reigns was hurt. He had trouble lifting his arm when he was lifting both of the championships up. The following Friday, there was uh, there was still some you know, look on his face where he was kind of selling the arm injury. But who knows? Wrestling is a suspension of, of disbelief. You don't know what the fuck's going on. He may be in the zone selling the arm injury because that's what Roman Reigns is. Roman Reigns is a fucking professional. He's going to do what he's got to do to go out there and make you think something else is going on outside of what everybody else thinks is going on. That's his job. So who's to say that Roman was hurt or not hurt? It looked like he was hurt at WrestleMania, but when he came out on Friday Night SmackDown, it looked fine to me. He just might have been selling an injury. Doesn't take away from the fucking match. A lot of people were claiming, oh, Roman Reigns was hurt. That's what ruined the match. No. The match was the match. The match was laid out. The 12 minutes of what we saw was the match that they had produced. Now you want to know why Pat Buck got fucking fired. The match was terrible. It wasn't the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. It wasn't the biggest WrestleMania match of all time. And WWE failed at giving us that epic WrestleMania main event like they had been hyping up all these months. No. Roman Reigns, I don't know what happens with him. I don't. I don't know if there is anybody on that SmackDown roster outside of Drew McIntyre that I care to see him in the ring with. And I've been wanting to see McIntyre and Reigns in the ring together since their Survivor Series match a couple of years ago. I thought that match was fantastic. A match of the year candidate inside the Thunderdome. That doesn't mean Drew McIntyre should be the one to take down Roman Reigns. I don't think anybody should take down Roman Reigns unless it's Cody Rhodes. Because that story is there and that's the greatest story to tell. I don't think Roman needs to take the titles into WrestleMania next year at SoFi Stadium at WrestleMania 39 when he goes one-on-one with The Rock, which I do think will happen. I don't think he needs the titles or a title, period, to wrestle. Dwayne, The Rock. So we'll see what happens. But that's the match that we got, and that's the match that was laid out. And Roman Reigns, apparently, to Meltzer, is not hurt. It's pretty fucking, it's a pretty big deal if Meltzer's going out there and saying, that's a lot riding on that one, man. You can't go out there and say, oh, yeah, Roman Reigns was not hurt. He's got to know something. That's a big fuck up if he says Roman Reigns is not hurt, and then Roman Reigns comes out and says, oh, yeah, I, I was really injured. WWE's not going to let you know about Roman Reigns being injured either because if Roman was legitimately injured, WWE's not going to let you know how much of SmackDown, how much of WWE is riding on Roman staying healthy. If Roman goes down, SmackDown is dead. It's already dead. SmackDown should cease to exist if Roman goes down. WWE only has Roman at the top. There's nobody else. Cody's not even the number two guy in that company according to fucking line sheets that internally uh, are backstage at Monday Night Raw. He's not even the number two guy on his fucking brand. 
WWE has a lot riding on Roman Reigns. They are not going to let you know he's hurt. That would cause a complete fucking scare in many, many different circles if Roman Reigns was hurt. A lot of people are going to be asking questions if Roman Reigns is hurt. What do we do now? How long is he going to be out? Is surgery required? What are we going to do with the titles? What are we going to do as far as the brand? A lot of different questions, man. A lot of questions Vince doesn't really care to answer. That's why Vince Vince is keeping quiet about the Roman Reigns situation. Now, Brock Lesnar is advertised for upcoming pay-per-view events. We don't know when he's going to be. I I assume Money in the Bank. I think that's a huge stadium show in Allegiant Stadium. And SummerSlam, huge stadium show in Tennessee. No sign of him on Raw or SmackDown since WrestleMania. Last week, there was speculation that Reigns was injured due to Lesnar and the armbar, the Kimura lock, at WrestleMania. But Meltzer reported that the match went as planned and Reigns is not hurt. If he is hurting, then it's being kept secret from everybody because key people in the company would know, uh, are not aware that there is an injury. So even key people in the company that would be in the know, they are not aware that there's an injury. Ringside News reported this week that no one knows the truth in regards to the situation outside of Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, and the Usos. And that the only people that really know are Vince McMahon and maybe, maybe Bruce Prichard. They're not going to let anybody know. They want to keep it a secret. They love this shit. They get off on this shit. It keeps people talking. In other words, the creative team and the agents have not been told anything. Ringside News reported that somebody on the creative team stated, we've asked since we're planning backlash and Vince did not answer either way. So as far as I'm concerned, Roman Reigns is going to be at backlash and Roman Reigns is going to defend the unified championship against Shinsuke Nakamura. So how hurt can he be? If he's going into a match and they're booking a match and planning a match and the titles are going to be defended at that show, WrestleMania Backlash, how can you have a WrestleMania Backlash without Roman Reigns being there? Meltzer may be correct. He may be correct in the fact that Roman Reigns is not hurt. But even if he was hurt, Vince is not going to let that information out there because it would cause fucking chaos. Chaos. Nobody wants Roman Reigns injured. And WWE can ill afford to have Roman Reigns injured. But WWE also doesn't want you to know that Roman Reigns is hurt if he is hurt. Otherwise, forget about it, man. A complete and utter shitstorm would be coming at WWE very, very quickly. Gunther, the big man, has debuted on SmackDown. He looks great. He looks in the best shape of his fucking life. So does Marcel Bartel. But Gunther, he made his debut on SmackDown. People want to know why he's on SmackDown and why he's made it to the main roster when everybody has this level of faith in WWE to do one thing and one thing only, and that's Barry, the former leader of Imperium. WWE called up Gunther, formerly known as Walter, to the main roster, alongside Ludwig Kaiser, number seven on the fucking deli menu, Ludwig Kaiser, formerly known as Marcel Bartel, on Friday's SmackDown. Now, he beat, last week, Joe Alonzo, a local wrestler, squashed him. Dave Meltzer talked about Gunther's main roster debut on the Wrestling Observer Radio. I noted that Gunther was asked by WWE to lose weight Because Vince McMahon wants slim wrestlers on television. Meltzer noted that the original plan was for Gunther to be a single star 
on the main roster. Meltzer says, and I quote, it's interesting that they're going with them, Gunther and Kaiser, as a tag team and not Gunther as a single. I don't know if that's true or not. I hope to God that's not true because then it would really make the exclusion of Fabian Eichner all that much more confusing. And it surprises everybody that Fabian Eichner is not on the main roster, but they called up Gunther and Marcel Bartel, or Walter and Marcel Bartel, Kaiser. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to fucking, you know, name these guys. I want to call them by their old names because their new names are so fucking stupid. Especially because the original plan was separate brands. And then the other one is that if they were going to do a tag team, they kind of left out Fabian Eichner. I think that Bartel and Eichner are the better idea for the team. Yes, it was probably a size thing. Maybe an idea that they don't have faith in Gunther as a singles guy yet. I think that he can be a top singles guy. Although I think the loss of weight hurts him a lot. I know he was told and he listened, unlike other people who thought that being big was really good and were told he didn't listen and now he's somewhere else, a.k.a. Keith Lee. I'm not beating around the bush on that one. Vince wants slim people on TV. I could see from Vince's perspective telling the guy, hey, drop 30 pounds, all right? I thought what made him special was the idea that he was 290 pounds, 300 pounds. The guy could fly around and move like a fucking lightweight, and he really hits hard and looks like a powerhouse, and now he's just a six-foot-three guy on the main roster. You know, I could see Meltzer's point of view. I could see this being the case. I, I don't understand. And, and now listen, you know, who's to say that that really is the case? Who's to say Vince told him to lose weight? We all heard stories about Vince and how fucking shallow Vince could be and everything's appearance to Vince McMahon and everything, everything. But who's to say that Gunther didn't want to do it for himself? I don't want to, I don't want to immediately knock anybody. I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect Walter in any way. Who's to say he didn't want to lose weight himself? Who's to say that he did not like the way he looked himself and wanted to slim up? You know, everybody took the pandemic as a time to, Either get yourself better or sit around and do nothing. A lot of people sat around and did nothing. Gunther apparently did not sit around and do anything. He put that time to good use. And to me, that's a very commendable fucking thing because it was very easy to just sit around and fucking sit around and do nothing and eat and drink and be lazy. He took that time and he put in the work to make himself better and look the best he's ever looked. It should not have to do with weight, honestly. It should have nothing to do with Walter's fucking weight and what he looks like. I don't give a shit what the fuck he looks like. He's still at six foot three, and the way we see him, he still looks like he would fucking chop your fucking head off, and it'll land in the 18th row. I don't need him to look 290 pounds. I don't need him to be 300 pounds. I don't. I want him to be healthy. The guy still looks like a fucking savage with the way he looks now. Great. It's not about the weight. It's about Walter being called up to the main roster and him not cutting a promo the way Vince McMahon wants and not really wrestling a style that Vince McMahon likes on the main roster. 
and the fact that he was built around a brand which Triple H was solely in charge of. He was brought into the company by Triple H and William Regal. He's not a WWE product. They changed the name because they want to make him their pet project. I don't need Walter to be 300 pounds. Walter could be Walter at fucking 260, the way he is now. Fine. WWE should acknowledge how great he is and let him go out there on television and be a fucking proper heel to a point where he could dominate any brand he's on. But the simple fact of the matter is 290 pounds, 300 pounds, fine. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the fucking guy looks like. He's going to get buried either way by Vince McMahon, whether he's 260, 270, 280, 300. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, Vince is going to get bored. At the end of the day, these foreign gimmicks never work. At the end of the day, people who talk like Marcel Bartel and Walter go nowhere on the main roster. Nowhere. That's what you all should be concerned with. The fact that they called him up to begin with, period. The fact that he's even there, period. If Walter lost 30 pounds and was 265 pounds working somewhere else on the indies, I don't think anybody would have a problem with it. Now it's a problem because he's in WWE. It's not because of the fucking weight. It's because of what we all know is coming for both him and Kaiser. Bartel, give me a break. Walter's one of the best. If you told me Walter was one of the best pro wrestlers, if not the best pro wrestler on the planet, I wouldn't even blink an eye. That's how good he is. Does WWE realize that? No, they don't. They're going to take this guy and they're going to fucking abuse him to a point where he is really going to feel like everybody else. The fact that he's 260 doesn't make him feel like anybody else. He already feels like everybody else because SmackDown does that to you. The main roster does that to you. He feels like everybody else because WWE doesn't acknowledge him as anybody but another fucking name. He's just another warm body to fill a roster spot on the main roster. If WWE had a fucking plan for him to make him into a big deal... Then they would do it. He's just like everybody else because of WWE career, not because of the way he fucking looks. Angel Garza. I think Angel Garza is fucking great. I think Angel Garza, to be honest with you, is fucking one of the most underutilized guys in the entire company. This guy should be fucking higher than where he is, man. This guy should be intercontinental champion somewhere around that level. Seriously. He's got a great look. He speaks great. He's got a... He's just great in ring performer. But he's another guy that falls in line with towing the company line. And I don't know why. I don't know why. Angel Garza believes we are living in the criticism era. We're living in the criticism era of pro wrestling. Now, Angel Garza spoke with Nick Houseman of Wrestling Inc., I'll never forget the story of Nick Houseman, man, being at, uh, where was I? It was at All Out last year. Nick Houseman of Wrestling Inc. I'm standing there. I got Meltzer next to me on my left. I got Sap to my right. Nick Houseman's fucking arguing with Izzy's father, trying to fucking shove his way in there and put his tripod together and put his fucking camera on there, trying to stream for Wrestling Inc.'s website, right? Nick Houseman. Zero personality from Nick Houseman. He's standing there next to me, and I got my fucking fire. I, I, I was utterly not prepared to stream a fucking two-hour post-show scrum for All Out last year. So I'm there, 
And I, I hold my phone up and I'm streaming this shit on my phone. I got it fucked up the first time. I have to put it in portrait mode and all this other shit. Now I'm all prepared. So he he stands behind me. He st- he's got his tripod there. He puts his camera up. He's standing behind me. And he's looking at the fucking amount of viewers. I had like 6,000 viewers for that post-show scrum. And at the end, when everybody said goodbye and we're all wrapping up, he, he comes over to me. He's like, oh, man, you got a, you a lot of people watching you. You got a lot of people watching you. Now, what publication are you with? I looked at him. I'm like, fuck are you talking about publication? Now, I didn't say it in that tone, but I looked at him. He's like, who, who, who are you and who are you with? I'm, I looked at him I'm like, I'm JD from New York. Fuck are you talking about? I, I'll never forget it. And then he goes, oh, 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 really? And he walked away. Yeah, thanks a lot, bro. Nice getting into it uh, with Izzy's father there. Showing how much of an asshole you are. Ridiculous. Now, fucking JD, man. You don't expect me to have... I had fucking 10 times the amount of viewers he was streaming in front of. Acknowledge me, bitch. It's what we do here. Angel Garza spoke with Nick Hausman. On Wrestling Inc. This was over WrestleMania weekend. He explained this, and I quote, I'm going to bring this to the table. No matter what we do, there are always people out there that are going to complain. No matter what. No matter if we are on top. Oh, they are giving everything to that guy. If you're running for the 24-7 title, oh, they're burying that guy. If you're doing a great job, oh, they're just trying to push that guy. They are always going to come with something. They will never be happy at this point. We are looking at our careers. Your careers, Angel, are in the hands of somebody that don't give a shit. This is why we complain. And I'll get to why we complain in a second. Sometimes it's more than, oh, you're an ego, egotistical person. Or you're just looking out for yourself. Yeah, because you are just looking for yourself. What if I tell you in your job and do that thing, then I start complaining because you do it a certain way or I start criticizing you like, hey, why are you holding that mic that way? Grab it another way. No matter how you do it, I'm always going to complain. That's all the fans that we have right now. It's part of the business to have all of them, but we are living in that era. I call it the criticism era. I never seen, and this is no knock to Garza, He's just towing the company line and saying what he needs to say to maintain good standing in the company. I get it. You're on a public forum being interviewed by Wrestling Inc., which is one of the biggest uh, publications out there for wrestling news and whatnot. Broken some stories as Raj is a great guy. Uh, He does great work over there. Justin Labard does great. Issa works with Wrestling Inc. She does a great job over there. Nick Houseman, not so much. But this is a major publication. And they get scoops and they get inside stories and they break exclusive news. I get it. He's on there. He's got to tell the company line. But I've never seen a business and I've never seen an industry with performers like I have with pro wrestling that hate their fans so fucking much. I never see anybody. I mean, I don't really pay attention to anything but baseball. Maybe it happens in the NFL. I rarely, really. NFL, NHL, the NBA, tennis, golf. Right? Tiger Woods has a fucking bad Masters, right? And he goes eight under par or eight over par, right? And he goes eight over par and he he makes the, the cut. He goes to the fucking fourth round. He plays terrible in the final round. People blast him on social. Oh, Tiger, why, you suck. 
You're, you're well past your fucking prime. Get out of here. Let, leave it to the young kids. I don't see Tiger Woods going out there on a fucking interview on ESPN or Fox, blasting the fucking, all the fans of the PGA. Man, I can't stand them. We live in the criticism era. I don't, I don't understand it. It's all about how you hold your professionalism. Now, I don't know. I don't even know the fucking question that was asked. I don't even know what, what question Nick Houseman asked this guy. But the fact that you're on a public forum and you're shitting on the fans, and this is nothing new to pro wrestling. They shit on the fans all over social media, everywhere. Everywhere, shitting on the fans. Like, we don't have a fucking voice. Like, our opinion doesn't matter. I don't get it. I don't really, I never understood it. I've never seen an industry that hated their fan base so much as pro wrestling. Now, some of us, not me, but some of the people out there are fucking weird, man. There are fucking weirdos out there. You could blast them all you want, man. Be, be as Angel Garza was to those fucking people. Me, all I want is a better show. I want better for guys like Angel Garza. I want better for guys like Humberto Carrillo. I want, I want better for guys like Ricochet. The reason, this is what they don't get. The reason we complain is because I want better. I want better. I hold WWE to a higher standard than most. I know the fucking talent like Garza that they employ. The fact that we're getting subpar television and basically reruns every single fucking week in a tag team division that you're a part of that they've done nothing to make better. That's why I complain. If you tell me my criticisms aren't valid, I don't know if you're really paying attention to what's going on, man. You're just one of those guys that takes it and runs with it and does what you say or does what uh, they ask you to do and you say nothing. You, you take what they, what they want and, and you do and you don't question anything. You're a slave to the fucking system. I'm not. I'm not. What I say all comes from a place of good, a place of, uh, of wanting the show to be better. That's why I complain. Now, I, I went out there and I blasted Tony Khan for what I did. For uh, what he did, rather. I, I wouldn't do what he did. Not exactly what I would have did. I blasted Tony Khan for the debut of fucking Giant Singh on Wednesday. I don't have any problem blasting Tony Khan. He needs to hear that type of thing. WWE needs to hear that type of thing. But the difference is, WWE doesn't give a shit. They don't value us. They don't fucking, they don't value us in anything we do or say. And now here you have Angel Garza, criticism era. The fans criticize because we fucking care. WWE is not putting on good television. That's why we complain. He can't say that. He doesn't know it. Or maybe he does know it and can't say it. It's worse because he does know it and he doesn't say anything but, oh, it's good. But I get why he says it's good because he works for the company. But don't blast us for something that I know you know. The company is fucking shit. The creative sucks. But you come on this with Nick Hausman and you tell me that, oh, everything's all right. Criticism era. People complain. People would complain about everything. We complain because we care. But you know that the show sucks, and you know your standing should be better than where it is now, and you know that the tag team division is fucking complete dog shit. That's why we complain. You know exactly what we know, and you agree with what we know, but you're just not allowed to say it. I don't understand why anybody criticizes the fans. I don't. Not everybody's like me, man. I come on, I watch this shit better than anybody. I got eagle eyes. I know what needs to be done. I know what should be done, who should be booked, how, and this, and that. I, I dissect this shit for a regular, daily. I know what needs to be done. But when I see people like this criticize fans 
because of their criticisms of a dead product creatively, that bo- that bothers me. It really does. Never get it, man. I never understood the fucking pro wrestling industry and wrestlers just being so shitty to their own fans. Seriously. It's, it's, it boggles my mind. Shotzi Blackheart. Where is Shotzi Blackheart? I don't know. She may end up on Nick Khan's budget cut list, I'll tell you that. Reason why Shotzi Blackheart has disappeared from WWE TV. Shotzi Blackheart was somebody that I had high hopes for. Somebody that I had high hopes for. She was very good in NXT. I enjoyed her work in NXT. She teamed with Ember Moon. Won the tag team titles over there. Tag team titles that shouldn't really be a thing in NXT, but they are. She was moved to the main roster. Well before she was ready for the main roster, I think. I I think she could have used at least another year in NXT. Got placed on SmackDown. Shotzi later turned heel in a feud with Sasha Banks that went nowhere. Never understood it. Never agreed with it. It was awful. WWE forced a heel turn on her when, quite frankly, nobody wanted to boo Shotzi Blackheart. Shotzi Blackheart doesn't look like the type of woman that you want to boo on television. She comes out driving a fucking toy tank. And she shoots Nerf guns at you. And she loves heavy metal and she wants to jump into the ball pit. Holy shit. What an awful creative direction for Shotzi Blackheart. Turned heel. She's been dealing with a nagging back injury. Returned to WWE TV earlier this year. Unfortunately, she's not been used on television in nearly two months. Two months. It's a lot of catering, Shotzi. It's a lot of catering there, Bruce. Shotzi's last televised match came back on February 25th of SmackDown, where she lost to Sasha Banks. Since that time, she's been used sparingly on house shows and SmackDown dark matches. Ringside report or Ringside News reports Shotzi has been at SmackDown every week, and since she wasn't in the WrestleMania mix, WWE didn't book her. It was added that nothing is wrong with Shotzi as she is in good standing with everyone in the company and everyone likes her. She's just waiting for a new storyline. Sure thing, Bruce. Sure thing. Yeah, Bruce Pritchard really loves Shotzi Black, all right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. What about Zia Lee? Where's Zia? Is Zia Lee dealing with a nagging back injury? What about Aaliyah? Maybe Aaliyah is dealing with a broken fucking fingernail. Well, what's going on? Shotzi, Zia Lee, and Aaliyah. Off television, out of nowhere. I don't know why. You would think for a two-hour fucking show that has an absolutely abysmal women's division led by Ronda Drowsy and Charlotte Flair, you'd think they'd get more talent on the fucking show. Yeah. Now, where's Shotzi? Shotzi's in catering. Where's Shotzi going to be fucking uh, two months from now? She's going to be unemployed. Garen fucking tee it. As this fucking beverage is ice cold in a goddamn uh, can uh, holder here. A koozie. Just like I know this beverage is going to be waiting for me when I take a sip. Ice cold. I know Shotzi's getting released. She will be released from the company. Why? It's the same thing. The same thing that happened with Ruby Riot. WWE didn't find any value in Ruby Riot. She's Ruby Riot with fucking green hair. That's all she is. That's all she is. Shotzi, I don't know what WWE's deal is with her, but if you can't find something 
for Shotzi on television. If you can't find a role for her on television with the way she looks, you're doing something fucking wrong. Either that or you're blatantly just keeping her off television because of whatever fucking reason you have to take it out on her. There's no reason why this woman shouldn't be on television. Seriously. She'll be gone by the summer. Easy. As soon as you see the next round of budget cuts, if she's on there, I would not be. If she's not on there, I'm going to be fucking floored, to be honest with you. Same with Zia and same with Aaliyah. WWE has called Shotzi up for what? For what? Same reason they called Tony Storm up. Tony Storm sat for how long at catering before they brought her to TV and made her into a fucking Pornhub thumbnail by throwing fucking cream pies in her face. We don't know what type of pie it was. Banana cream, coconut custard, fucking strawberry rhubarb. I don't know. What type of pie did Tony Storm get thrown in her face, man? She sat in catering for how many months before they brought her back to television to only throw pies in her face? Shotzi Blackheart is sitting in catering, probably thinking the same thing that Tony Storm is thinking. I can't wait to get the fuck out of here. Shotzi gets more attention on her Instagram than she does on WWE television. Does she need WWE? What a joke. Your women's division sucks. Meanwhile, you got somebody like that, as beautiful as she is, and how good she could be, and with the audience she has, and could really grab, you're not using her? I find that to be very detrimental to your your product, Bruce. Really, really detrimental. And your women's division, I must again stress, sucks. The women's division on the main roster is fucking horrendous. Just because of the way they're booked. Not because of who is in the division, but because of how they are booked. And you could always, always use more women. No reason why that woman is not being used on television. Monday Night Raw. We're going to talk about Monday Night Raw in just a second. Ratings and all the news coming out of Monday Night Raw. We got Cody Rhodes news coming out of Monday Night Raw, man. Is he really the number one babyface? On the brand, if internal documents are to be believed, no, he's not. Who is it? Who is the number one babyface on Monday Night Raw? And we got news on John Moxley and Tony Khan. We still got a lot more to come, ladies and gentlemen. This is off the scripts. Thank you guys so very much for joining me right here on episode 426. Sponsored by Bluetooth. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. You guys know Blue Chew, right? I hope you know Blue Chew. Confidence can take you far in life, man. Confidence goes a long way, especially when it's time to perform and step up to the plates. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but insurable tablets and a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night. So you can plan ahead and be ready whenever that opportunity arises. Process is very simple, guys. BlueChew.com. You consult with one of their online medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. No questions asked. The best part is it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office. No awkward conversations. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. And the best part is tablets are made in the USA. Shipped and pre- prepared right to you. Shipped to you right at your door in a very discreet package. I always say, first impressions, you only get one, man. 
In most cases, you may get your first impression, but you want that first impression to be your last impression. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. All you guys do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. Promo code JD, and I want to once again thank my great friends over at BlueChew for sponsoring today's episode of Off the Scripts. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up as well. I appreciate you guys, man. We hit the 1,000 threshold. We're on our way to 1,100 likes. I appreciate you guys very much. Super chats are open. Get them on in, man. I already got a cold, I got, I got a cold beverage on ice right next to me. We're going to open up a nice Irish cream stout right on the podcast tonight. So make sure you guys get those super chats in. We got nine new members tonight. Holy shit. You guys are fucking awesome, man. So get those super chats in. Bar is rocking and rolling. Go grab a cold beverage. We'll hang out at the end of the show and go over the super chats, like always, right here on Off the Script. Continuing on with the news, man. Monday Night Raw, the 411 episode of Monday Night Raw, dropped below 2 million viewers. This was after last week's post-WrestleMania spike. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. This is exactly what I said. People are like, oh, Monday Night Raw, they drew a 2.1 rating. They're both a 2. Cutter Rhodes being back, obviously, has generated interest, but it's going to be not the Raw After Mania rating. It's not going to be the rating after that or the rating after that. It's going to be a string of weeks where we have to dissect the ratings. Nothing works on Monday Night just because it's Monday Night Raw. So the fact that Monday Night Raw went back to a 1.8, On Monday night, not surprised at all. Saw its ratings decrease from a 2.1 for the Raw After Mania. The 18 to 49 demo saw the average rating of 0.54. This is down from a 0.63. Ratings were expected to drop as the post-WrestleMania Raw is one of the highest rated shows of the year for WWE. Now, the 18 to 49 demo saw 0.53, 0.59, and 0.51 in hours 1, 2, and 3. Monday Night Raw was ranked number one in the cable top 150 for the shows on cable on Monday nights. Number six that came in last week, this was the go-home show for Monday Night Raw. Cody Rhodes is a big reason why Monday Night Raw was up on the Raw after Mania. Cody Rhodes is the most interesting thing in all WWE right now. And I have no shame in saying that. Cody Rhodes cut a promo on Monday night, on Ms. TV. And a lot of these banned words were used in Cody Rhodes' promo. He used the term belt. The term belt is never said on TV. He used the word wrestlers. He used the word, uh, I believe, what what he used? Belt, wrestlers, wrestling, he said. In WWE, we all know that they're referred to as superstars. Even Ms. corrected him as a belt is used to hold up your pants. It's called a title or a championship. And wrestlers, we're not wrestlers, we're superstars. As everyone knows, the word belt and wrestler are banned by WWE. This is Vince McMahon's edict. It's been that way for many years. At first, people were thinking this is a mistake. People thought this was a legit mistake by Cody Rhodes. I said it on my Monday Night Raw review. I hope it's not. I hope it's not a mistake. And I honestly think if WWE is smart, I said on Monday Night, they would allow Cody to say those forbidden words. And the reason why I think this is because WWE wants so badly to think that they're cool. They want people to think that they're cool. 
So if Cody's on TV, coming from a Tony Khan-operated company in AEW where they push the forbidden door, right? They want him to come on WWE television and kind of add on to that forbidden door. Oh my goodness, Cody Rhodes is opening up the forbidden door on television. He's saying belts, and he's saying wrestling, and he's referring to the roster as wrestlers and not superstars. I think this would be best for Cody Rhodes' character. Because you don't want to change who Cody Rhodes is. And Cody Rhodes has that old school mentality. And everything that he's back for is for his father. And this is the mentality that he had growing up with Dusty. And the story that's going to take him to the world championship. I said this on Monday night. And I'm glad to report that everything he said was absolutely intended. Meltzer says that Cody's gimmick is to say things that aren't allowed. This is a part of his gimmick. This is a part of his act. This is all scripted, Dave Meltzer says. His gimmick apparently is that he gets to say words that nobody else gets to say and gets corrected. Brian Alvarez says, I think his gimmick is that he's an AEW guy. At one point during the segment, Rhodes said that Miz is full of, before stopping himself from saying the word shit, in AEW the word shit can be said multiple times on TV. For now, it comes across as Cody Rhodes being the AEW guy without AEW actually being mentioned. During his WrestleMania match, Rollins could be heard telling Cody, welcome back to the big leagues. Cody Rhodes defeated The Miz on Monday night in a singles match, and he will have his rematch with Seth Rollins at WrestleMania Backlash. Another match that I did not mention earlier on the list of matches that I was going over, I did not say that was announced, and that is indeed announced for WrestleMania Backlash. I love it. I think Cody Rhodes saying those words is absolutely in line with what he is bringing to the table here. And what he's bringing to the table is different. That's what we need from Cody Rhodes. I would not stray away from that at all. At all. Belt, wrestling, wrestlers, whatever else you want to say that's banned by WWE, hospital, or whatever the fuck he says. He cannot be the guy, and I said this weeks leading to even into his debut. He cannot be the guy that is brought to television and says and acts and, and does everything else everybody does. Otherwise, he's not going to be Cody Rhodes. Otherwise, he's not going to be special. So, again, this is WrestleMania now. We got the Raw after Mania. And this Monday Night Raw, this past week, this current week, this is three weeks now where Cody's been back on television. And I got to give WWE all the shit every time they get it wrong. And I got to be fair and I got to give them shit when they get it right. They're getting Cody Rhodes right. Any deviation away from this, this is only a three-week thing. This is uh, the honeymoon phase, as they say. Six months from now, we could be talking about a different Cody Rhodes. He could be a fucking WWE shill and saying uh, championship and title, and he could be saying superstars and all this other shit. He could be, just like everybody else, creatively buried after Vince gets bored with Cody Rhodes. But for now, they're getting it right, and everything they've done with Cody Rhodes has been perfect. This needs to be for the duration of his time there. Otherwise, he's not going to be special anymore. And WWE, I will say, is risking him being special. You cannot have him come out doing fireworks twice, have his entrance theme play twice on a Monday Night Raw that spans three hours. Otherwise, it's going to get redundant. Do not take Cody Rhodes and what he brings to the table and the excitement around Cody Rhodes. Do not take that and overuse it. Do not abuse it. Otherwise, by the time we get to the match with Roman Reigns, I don't think anybody's going to want to see Cody take the title off Roman. He needs to remain special. He doesn't need to wrestle on Monday night every fucking week. He doesn't need to come out and have fucking fireworks for a goddamn fucking promo. No. 
Save those for the moments when they are needed, not for a random fucking rinky-dink Monday Night Raw in Bumblefuck USA, okay? Cody needs to be special. WWE's done a great job so far in three weeks. Give it three months, and we'll come back and talk about maybe him being the same way. I hope that he is. But given WWE's track record, they like to overabuse and ruin things that we all like and enjoy. Cody Rhodes is slotted internally as the number two babyface on Monday Night Raw, ahead of AJ Styles, but behind Bobby Lashley. You mean to tell me that WWE has an internal list where Bobby Lashley is the number one babyface on Monday Night Raw? What the fuck is wrong with that? Everything. That's awful. Now, WWE clearly in three weeks, is fully behind Cody Rhodes. He's one of the top baby faces on Monday Night Raw, and it appears that he will eventually challenge Roman Reigns at some point for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Rhodes had his first match in six years on Monday night, beating The Miz, and now he's going towards a match with Seth Rollins at WrestleMania Backlash, which he should win. Cody should win the match at Backlash. Seth Rollins does not need to win. Seth Rollins doesn't need to get his revenge over Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes needs to beat Seth Rollins. PW Insider is reporting, and by the looks of your reactions, you're all fucking in disbelief as well in the chat. PW Insider is reporting that internally Cody Rhodes is slotted as the number two babyface on the brand behind Bobby Lashley. AJ Styles is listed as number three. Lashley, mind you, is currently in a feud with the... Omas! The mighty Omas! He's in a feud with. Bobby Lashley's the number one babyface feuding with O-fucking-Mas! I don't believe it either. I don't believe it either. Lashley's in a feud with Omas. Rollins is feuding with Cody. And Styles is involved with Edge. And vampiric Damian Priest. SmackDown, Roman Reigns is obviously the number one heel for SmackDown. And the top babyface is Drew McIntyre. Reigns versus McIntyre is listed for upcoming shows going on into the spring and summer months. They saved that match for Wales. They saved that match for Labor Day. They saved that match for this huge UK show. I don't want to see it before then, okay? Do something else. Come up with something different and creative for Roman Reigns going into SummerSlam. How is Cody Rhodes listed as number two? That, I don't understand. I don't. I don't know how you can hear that reaction on Monday night and then look at the roster and then say, oh, yeah, no, Bobby Lashley's number. Let's pencil. Let's pencil Bobby Lashley in his number one. Are you fucking kidding me? Now, it doesn't really matter. Cody Rhodes is going to be booked better than Bobby Lashley, but it just sounds ridiculous. And it may be an indication that Cody Rhodes isn't as high up on the internal WWE priority list that we think he is. I hope to God this is false. I hope to God this is not the case. Cody, just by fan reaction, and they may be oblivious to this because they don't give a fuck either way, Cody's the number one babyface in the WWE, period. Period. It's not AJ, it's not Bobby Lashley, it's not Drew McIntyre, it's not Ricochet, It's not Shinsuke Nakamura. It's Cody fucking Rhodes. 
It's Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes. Roman Reigns is the top dog. He's the biggest guy in the company. Besides that, number two in the entire company is Cody Rhodes. So how that doesn't make him number one babyface on Monday Night Raw boggles my fucking mind. I hope to God this does not have any long-lasting effects on what WWE does with Cody Rhodes. Ridiculous. Bobby Lashley is not a number one babyface on any brand. Period. He's a babyface, much better heel, but he's a babyface, but not number one. Now, there was a follow-up report. Now, I don't know what WWE thinks. WWE could be feeding false information. We, we don't really know. We don't know if those, those lists are legit, period. But Ringside News followed up on this, and they said it's not entirely accurate. These lists are not entirely accurate. Ringside News reports that the initial report on the listing about who is the number one babyface on each brand was put together by Bruce Prichard and Ed Kosky. A WWE source stated, then every few months, Vince does not like the way it looks. He moves the list around. The source added that the report is supposed to be the order of who is number one and who is number two and down the list. But it's subjective and nothing is official unless Vince signs off on it. And that is not definitive. And everything in WWE has to get Vince McMahon's blessing. It was also noted that the writers' assistants update the rosters on a daily basis. And while the leaked list is a good reference, it's not an accurate look inside the company. Ricochet is used as a recent example as the constant changes within WWE. A couple of weeks ago, he slaughtered the number two babyface on SmackDown, and then he wasn't booked for WrestleMania, and he was booked into oblivion as a loser with the Intercontinental Championship. Beating Jinder Mahal did not erase him losing twice in one night like a fucking idiot to both Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo. At this point, WWE looks to be all in on the Cody Rhodes push. It's three weeks. It's a honeymoon phase, but they're all in for now. And he is the second biggest name in the company behind Roman Reigns. So whether you want to believe the list or not, or believe that Bobby Lashley is number one or not, Cody Rhodes, the way we see it, the way it is, the way we hear it, is the number two man in the company behind Roman Reigns. That's it. It's funny how he's an AEW guy. He's number two behind Roman Reigns. Now, plans can always change in WWE, and Cody right now is the number two guy behind Roman Reigns, and this may not be the case. Like I said, give it six months. We'll see and reassess the situation. His treatment in WWE will be interesting, to say the least, as to keep an eye on how WWE treats him moving forward throughout this entire year. Now, the internal roster rankings for the women, Alexa Bliss, apparently, is listed on the list as the number one babyface behind Bianca Belair. The top babyface is on Raw. Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Rhea Ripley. This is going to change from a week-to-week basis. Rhea Ripley is rumored to be going heel and joining Edge along with Damian Priest. Bliss, when she comes back to TV, she just got married. When she comes back to TV, she could be slaughtered as the number two babyface in the women's division upon returning. And right now, that's what... The plan is, as she's slotted at number two, she's not even on television. But she's slotted on the internal list as number two in the women's division. For the heel side, Becky Lynch is listed as number one heel on Raw, followed by Carmella and Zelina Vega. Awful. That's a terrible list right there. Becky's not even a good heel. Not even a good heel, neither are Carmella and Zelina Vega. 
Bliss disappeared from television after losing to Charlotte Flair at Extreme Rules last year after she ripped up Lily the Doll. She returned to TV in January, continued her gimmick as the elements of the Fiend character remained, and Bray Wyatt was long gone at that point. They did segments where Bliss would talk to a therapist as a way out of her issues, reverting her hopefully back to the goddess Alexa Bliss. Bliss hasn't been seen since the Elimination Chamber show in February, and she wasn't in town at all for WrestleMania 38, which I'm assuming had to do with preparing for the wedding. The reason she wasn't used at WrestleMania was due to her wedding to Ryan Cabrera, which took place this past weekend. Several musicians played at the wedding, including NSYNC, Bowling for Soup, and more. I don't think Alexa Bliss should come back as a babyface at all to the main roster. I, I don't understand why she would come back as a babyface. Nobody wants to cheer Alexa Bliss. I think she's awful as a babyface. She's much better as a heel. So looking at the heel side of things, it's Becky Lynch. You know, I don't understand why. Regretfully, I say Becky Lynch, which she's not really a heel. She's terrible as a heel. There's nobody on that heel side. Carmella and Zelina Vega. Alexa Bliss should be the number one heel, honestly, behind uh, should be Becky Lynch. So I hope that she comes back as a heel, even though I wasn't a big fan of her work. I do think she does a better job as a heel. And I do think that Bianca Belair is going to need some heels. Right now, Carmella and Zelina Vega and Becky Lynch, there needs to be others. Who's to say Bailey doesn't make it to Monday Night Raw? Who's to say Rhea Ripley joining Edge isn't the one to challenge Bianca Belair? Who's to say that Asuka doesn't come back as a heel? We, we don't know. We don't know. WWE has a, a lot of moving parts here. They need to make the divisions better at the end of the day. Bianca needs to have a better reign than she did last year when she beat Sasha at WrestleMania. They can't make the same mistake. They need to give her competition. Right now, with the way this list looks, it's Becky Lynch and nobody else. And we've already got done with the Becky Lynch storyline. Let's move on. Alexa, Rhea, Bailey, Asuka. No matter what, something's got to change. Now, I thought, as far as Alexa Bliss is concerned, she might not even come back to the main roster. WWE has this thing about using main roster acts on NXT. Alexa Bliss going down to NXT and challenging Mandy Rose for the NXT Women's Championship, I threw out there as a potential to happen. Now, I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but WWE has not shied away, especially this year, by using main roster talent on NXT. They just recently brought Natalia down there to work NXT. I don't know what she's going to be doing, how she's going to make the show better, but I think Alexa would be a great fit for NXT. I don't think she's ever won the NXT Championship. At that point, it gives you Alexa on that roster. Meanwhile, you can call up an Io Shirai. You can call up Toxic Attraction. I think they're more than ready for the main roster. Maybe not in ring, but the act itself is a main roster act, and that's why they have been developed the way that they have because they're getting them primed and ready for the main roster. I could see them easily fitting in on the main roster women's division. But Alexa going down to NXT, I don't see that as uh, as not happening. I could absolutely see that happening. We'll see what happens. But all we know at the end of the day is Bianca Belair needs heels to work with, and right now there is none. We'll see what happens if Rhea turns heel on Monday. A tag team title match is going to be a lot. Keep an eye on that. Rhea Ripley turning on Liv Morgan, and we get Rhea Ripley joining Edge, turning to the dark side, finding her way after being lost for so many months, and then challenging Bianca Belair as heel Rhea Ripley. I could get behind that for sure. Tommaso Ciampa. I'm surprised he hasn't been named Thomas Calzone or Tommy fucking Muscles Fraud Diablo. 
Surprised he gets to keep his actual NXT name. I'd give this a couple of months before we see him known as something other than Tommaso Ciampa. He made his WWE main roster debut, and he spoke to Alistair McGeorge of Metro Publication. Ciampa made it known that he isn't worried about being creatively fulfilled on the main roster, and it's not hard to please Tommaso Ciampa when it comes to being creative. He says, and I quote, creatively, I'm not very hard to please in that sense, that I just view it as give me five minutes and I'll make it the best five minutes I can, whatever that means. Whatever I'm asked to do, if comedy is in my future, whatever it is, I just like to look at it like there's no ending to this. So if I do comedy for a couple of months, it doesn't mean after that I can't go back to doing something else I might enjoy. There's no ending. Sounds like a WWE given rhetoric. Sounds like a WWE given answer to Metro publication. I I don't understand that. This is a guy that didn't want to go to the main roster and said if he went to the main roster, he'd absolutely retire. Now he's all about playing comedy characters coming out of NXT where he was, in my honest and genuine opinion, the greatest NXT champion that there ever was, Tommaso Ciampa. I don't get it. I don't understand how you can go from that to wanting to do comedy. Do you understand the comedy that WWE does? Now that he said this, do not be surprised to see him mix it up with R-Truth. He's already sealed his fate. You know, the WWE keeps an eye and an ear on these fucking interviews and these segments done. They approve all of these fucking interviews. You don't think they got somebody listening, taking this information back to Bruce and to Johnny Laurinaitis and to Vince McMahon. You don't think they know what is said on these interviews? Ricochet, Ricochet, before WrestleMania, mentioned something about wanting to work with Mustafa Ali at WrestleMania. He then went on to lose, not once but twice, in the same week, lost to Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo, and got buried on SmackDown. And he's the Intercontinental Champion. That was after he went out publicly and stated that he would like to work with Ali, somebody who is not even with the company in mind, He's still employed there, but he does not want to be with the company. Somebody that is anti-WWE right now. That's why he got buried. Tommaso Ciampa saying he wants to work comedy could be a fucking death wish for Tommaso Ciampa. Ciampa recalled doing comedy segments during matches while working in PWG and how some of his most famous times in wrestling came from those matches. Whether it was from singing or slow motion wrestling, although he considers doing that in his past, He looks back at them fondly and says it's just the entertainment part of the business that he loves. Champa said, to him, it's what pro wrestling is, and there's no definition of it. He finished up his run at Stand and Delivery, lost to Tony D'Angelo. He was officially moved to the Raw brand on Monday, where he did a segment with Kevin Owens and Ezekiel, who is Elias. But they're playing it off as it's Elias' brother, but it's Elias. Prior to his official main roster call-up, WWE did use him a few times on Raw, wrestling Ziggler, teaming with Braun Breaker. Ciampa issued a statement at the time that he likes his new theme music as well. And Tommaso Ciampa breaks my heart, seemingly becoming a WWE towing the company line, towing the company line type of guy. Breaks my heart to see, man. This was psycho killer, Tommaso Ciampa. Seriously, greatest NXT champion there ever was, man. It breaks my, it would break my heart to see him do fucking comedy in, in the WWE cringe way of comedy on the main roster. Now, Kevin Owens, I will admit, 
Kevin Owens is fucking great. And whatever he's doing with Elias, Ezekiel, has been great. I, I love how Kevin Owens just embraces everything and he his, his just body language comes off as humorous to me. And the way he, he speaks and projects his words is humorous to me. I don't know if Tommaso Champ is going to be involved in that, but if he mixes it up with Kevin Owens, I'll be all right. The comedy that I'm hoping he doesn't get involved with is like, Fucking Dana Brooke and R-Truth and Reggie, that type of shit. I could see Champa being a funny guy. I don't want it to be that type, but if it's Kevin Owens, I'll, I'll deal with that. Because, I'm weirdly, I'm enjoying this Kevin Owens-Ezekiel storyline. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this lie detector test on Monday night. I do think it will be very funny with Kevin Owens and Ezekiel. But Tommaso Champa, bro, be careful what you wish for, please. We all love you. And we all value you and what you did, but don't don't look back on what you did in NXT and just, you know, go full-fledged in with the comedy. Please, don't don't say these things. You know WWE is listening and watching, and all this shit's getting back to Vince. Next week, they'll have you in some fucking bullshit segment that we regret even seeing at all. Rey Mysterio. Why did Rey Mysterio miss Monday Night Raw? Rey Mysterio was supposed to wrestle Veer Mahan. Instead, Veer squashed Dominic. Dominic took his place, and he got squashed by Veer. The storyline leading up to the match was Ray looking to get revenge after Veer attacked Ray and Dominic last week. Following the match, Veer continued the attack, and Dominic was shown being placed on a stretcher before being taken away in an ambulance. This appears to be the way to write Dominic off of television. Good. Good. There was no mention of Rey Mysterio on the show. On the Wrestling Observer Live, Meltzer talked about why Mysterio was absent from Raw, and it was due to a medical issue. Yeah, he has a medical issue. It's not false advertising where they changed their mind. It was he was unavailable on Monday, so they put Dominic in place, and he got destroyed. Meltzer did go on to say that more than likely they will book Veer versus Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania Backlash, so that is a way to tie in Veer dominating and brutalizing Dominic Mysterio on Monday Night Raw in Rey Mysterio's absence. I honestly think, after this is all over, I think Dominic should go down to NXT, and I think, uh, honestly, Dominic should stay in NXT. I do. I think he should stay in NXT, and I think he should stay there for a very long time. Dominic, I don't think he's good at all. I don't. I honestly don't think Dominic has progressed at all. You look at Hook. Hook is better than Dominic. You look at anybody on AEW's roster that's just coming along at the same age as Dominic, they are better than Dominic. Logan Paul is a better pro wrestler than fucking Dominic Mysterio. How? How is that possible? Logan Paul is a fucking boxer. He's a YouTube sensation. But he's a better pro wrestler than Dominic Mysterio. How is that possible? He had a better match than Dominic Mysterio did at WrestleMania. Why? Dominic needs NXT. Dominic was in NXT. He wrestled somebody. I believe it was Raul Mendoza or one of the Legato guys. I don't remember who. He had a great fucking match. He felt like he belonged on NXT, wrestling Legato Del Fantasma. Way too late now to be covering that story. I pitched that fucking two years ago. But I think he would fit in very well on NXT, and that's where he needs to be, honestly. AEW Dynamite. AEW Dynamite on the 13th. This was this week. They held steady in the ratings. NBA competition is out there. The playoffs, I believe, are... Uh, Taking place, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe we're getting ready for the playoffs. So, AEW Dynamite, 977,000 viewers. That is down from the 989,000 viewers the show did one week ago. 
0.37 in the 18 to 49 demo that is down from a 0.38. So they did remain steady. Tony Khan loaded up the show. Three title matches, MJF, CM Punk, and Chris Jericho all were in action. Went up against two NBA playoff games. So the lowest key demo the show did was on Wednesday. This was the lowest since March 2nd. And that was what we got tonight, or Wednesday, rather, with a 0.37. I don't know what tonight's show is going to bring in as far as ratings go. I can't imagine the Battle of the Belt show does any ratings at all on a Saturday night. But uh, we'll see what happens when the ratings come in on Monday. Dynamite ranked number three in the cable top 150 shows for the night. That is down from the number two ranking. Ratings go up and down. I'll leave it to the fucking virgin fucking neckbeards on social media to argue about the goddamn fucking ratings. I'm not here to talk about ratings. They go up and down just like everything else. Tony Khan. Now we're getting into the meat and potatoes of this situation, man. Tony Khan. Tony Khan was on Busted Open Radio. And he agreed with fan criticism of Satnam Singh's Lights Out AEW debut. And he promises he won't make that mistake again. On Busted Open Radio this week, Tony Khan addressed the criticism from fans about the way Satnam Singh debuted on AEW Dynamite. The consensus seems that turning off the lights raised expectations and his debut fell somewhat flat because he was not a recognizable name. I could have done better, said Tony Khan. It's one of those things. I wish I had done it a little differently. The fans are always going to be right. So if the fans don't like something, sometimes there's some things about it where you are trying to get heat and and people aren't always going to love it. There were things uh, about it I probably should have done differently now that I see it in hindsight. Tony Khan absolutely saying fans are always going to be right boggles my mind because it's new and people can't grasp a CEO like Tony Khan saying the fans are going to be always right when Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard and WWE don't ever listen to the fans. They don't. If they did, WWE television would look vastly different than what we see now. He says the fans are always going to be right, just like the customer. You know how you go to retail and work in retail? The customer's always right. Don't argue with the customer. You do whatever you do to make them happy so they come back and spend more money in your business. Tony Khan doesn't want to upset the fans. Tony Khan doesn't want, he's not in the business to upset fans. If he upsets fans, he's going to lose viewers. If he upsets the fans, the ratings for Dynamite aren't going to be over a million. So on and so forth. So for him to say that, he's acting like a businessman. He knows that he was wrong And he addressed it and promised to do better. Khan said that it wasn't his idea. And this is where it gets juicy. Khan said it wasn't his idea to turn the lights out. But he accepts the blame because he's the main filter. He said, to be honest, it wasn't even my idea to turn the lights out. But I am the ultimate filter. I'm the person who everything goes through. I put the outline of the show together, and when I came in Wednesday, I thought it was the best outline I've ever put together. One of them, at least. Now, I will agree with him there. The show was great. The outline of the show and the way the show flowed was awesome. The debut, not so much. As much strong wrestling as you could possibly fit into the program, he says. I put on Wednesday night. I thought about this up until that point. The show was excellent. And that was the one thing we kind of went off on. People might not have liked it. Satnam is an important person for us. 
It was important to debut him in a meaningful way with Jay Lethal. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with. At the same time, the turning the lights off for somebody people didn't recognize, it's a great point. The person who brought up turning lights off has over 30 years of experience in pro wrestling. When they brought it to me and brought it up to me, I was only looking at the pros and I should have looked at the cons about it because that is my job as the person who decides what goes in and filters out these ideas. We had all these people in the room and somehow not one person, when that idea came up, brought up the negatives. Then we did it. All of a sudden, all the negatives came out and all the negatives were very obvious. Khan added, it was a lot of veteran people. To be honest, nobody said that, but when it happened, I agreed with the fans completely. Khan added that Singh's debut got a lot of international attention, but he didn't want the negativity to loom over the show, and he agrees with the fans. Khan said, I didn't want it to loom over a lot of great stuff on the show. I don't think it has or it will, because there was a lot of great wrestling on the show, so I was really excited about that, but the fans are always going to be right. I think it's one of those times where I appreciated what their feedback was. Now, as I'm in my third year doing this, I would not do that that way again. And these are the things you learn going into year three that I would do differently in year four or year five. Tony Khan is somebody that I appreciate because he acknowledges the mistakes. Now, would he have acknowledged the mistakes? And this is what's great about the criticism era of pro wrestling per Angel Garza. WWE doesn't like criticism because they believe what they put out is the best product, which it's not. And they train their fucking wrestlers to think that it's the best product as well, which it's not. Tony Khan, he believes he puts out the best product. And when he gets something wrong, Tony Khan is not on social media blasting the fans. Tony Khan is not calling the fans fucking assholes. Tony Khan is not listening to the fucking fans and down, is, is shoving their opinion away. Not listening to the opinions of the fans. He's listened to the opinions of the fans when it's good and when it's bad. He's always listened to the fans. AEW wouldn't exist if Tony Khan didn't listen to the fucking fans. Tony Khan listened to the fans to bring CM Punk back, and he made CM Punk back as a force on pro wrestling television. He listened. Go out and sign Brian Danielson. He listened. Go out and sign Keith Lee. He listened. Go out and sign Swerve. He listened. Go out and sign Adam Cole. He listened. Seriously. Put the title on this guy. Put the title on that guy. Uh, that guy. Give Brody a chance with the TNT title. He listened. He listens, he listens, he listens when it's good or if it's bad. When he makes a mistake, he listens. Now, I hope to God he doesn't make that fucking same mistake in year four or year five. Otherwise, people are going to dig up this fucking article. People are going to dig up this fucking podcast on Busted Open, and they're going to blast him more so than they did when the fucking botch happened on Wednesday night. Tony Khan, I don't know who he has working around him. Jerry Lynn... Mark Henry, Dean Malenko, Paul White. I don't know who he has in his inner circle that comes up with ideas. I don't know who this 30-year veteran is. I'm not even going to mention a name because I don't want to put a name out there. Honestly, the first thing that I thought about was Paul White. 
Honestly, the first name that I thought about was Paul White. I don't want to say it was Paul White, but seeing that the Giant Sing debuted, I'm assuming Paul White's going to have some things to say about Satnam Singh and guide him on what to do as a big man. So Paul White was the first guy that came to my mind. Not saying it's Paul White, but Paul White was the first guy that came to my mind. Now, I don't know who Tony Tony Khan has around him, but Tony Khan needs to get people in that circle and in that boardroom, in that creative room that are going to fight for what is best for the show. I don't know how you have people in that room And you come up with this fucking plan, this attack on Samoa Joe, and you think the lights going out is a good idea. How nobody came up with the idea of, well, well, TK, listen, it might not be the best way to go about it. This is not the best course of action to go and do with somebody that the fans have no fucking clue about. I talked about this on Thursday's Extra. Everything that they did with this guy on Wednesday absolutely fucking bombed. Bombed. I don't know who gave this opinion. I don't know whose thought this was. And I don't know the group of people who came up with this idea, pitched this idea, and had nothing to say about why it wouldn't work. Or if the idea was pitched by one, why somebody else didn't come up and say something as to why it wouldn't work. That's the people. Those are the people that need to be held accountable. Tony Khan has admitted, fine, it's a fuck up. I fucked up. I'm going to take blame for it. I sign off on everything. I don't blame Tony Khan for not, you know, for uh, going out there and and placing the blame on somebody as well. They're all to blame. At the end of the day, they are all to blame. Tony Khan is to blame, yes. But at the end of the day, they are all held accountable. Because it seems like somebody didn't have the best interest of of the segment at heart. Tony Khan is to blame. Do I blame Tony Khan for throwing everybody else under the bus indirectly? No, I don't. I would have did the same fucking thing. But Tony Khan signs off on it. Tony Khan wants to show everybody that AEW is a family-oriented background. That everybody has a say backstage. If Tony Khan went there and acted dictatorship Tony Khan, acted like dictatorship Tony Khan and did everything on his own and acted like Vince McMahon, I don't know if things are going to be running as well as they would be. Everybody needs to have a voice. Everybody needs to feel like they have a voice. You can't exclude anybody. It is so easy for people to go on social media and blast Tony Khan for making an environment that's all about him and not about the fucking company. Tony Khan took blame. Do I blame him for throwing indirectly? It was somebody with 30 years of experience that came with this idea. Was it bad? Yes. But I also had people that did not speak up for why it was bad. I don't blame him at all. But at the end of the day, he signed off on it. At the end of the day, we can't go back and change it. At the end of the day, all we can do is look at this and use it as a way to make it better when it comes up again. Now, Satnam Singh was on tonight's Battle of the Belt show. Whatever they did with Satnam Singh, the giant Singh on tonight's show was a thousand times fucking better than what they did on Wednesday's Dynamite. He came down, walking down the aisle, great menacing presence. He reminded me of the giant Gonzalez and great Kali coming out there. It's easy to make the correlations. He came out and he looked great. He's got this fucking suit on. He's seven foot three. He went into the ring. He chokeslammed two guys, by the way, before he got into the ring. Two of those, uh, those, those 
fucking geeks that come out with Dalton Castle, those guys in the mask, those peacocks, whatever the fuck he calls them, chickens he calls them, choke slams him down, double-handed choke slam on two guys, gets in the ring, beats the shit out of Gresham, Samoa Joe comes out with a lead pipe and scares everybody off because that's what Samoa Joe does. That's what Samoa Joe is. He's a fucking killer. They did whatever they, they did on Battle of Belts and it came off a thousand times better than what we saw on Wednesday's Dynamite. So I got to give him that. Now, it was taped after Friday Night's Rampage, but this is all after Tony Khan had heard all of the opinions on Wednesday's Dynamite. So I give him that. Whatever they did tonight was a thousand times better than what we saw on Wednesday. I said this on the extra I did on Thursday. How could this have gone better on Wednesday? The lights out gimmick needs to fucking go. Oh, I don't want to see. I don't want to see the lights out ever again. On the, unless you're giving me Bray Wyatt, unless you're giving me Wyndham Rotunda, I don't want to see the lights go out. I don't want to see the lights go out unless it's an Alistair Black or Malachi Black entrance or House of Black. That's the only time I want to see the lights go out. When the lights go out, Buddy Matthews showed up and stood next to Malachi. No, no, we don't need. We don't need fucking lights going out for everybody. Keith Lee goes. The lights go out. Keith Lee's there. Now, the lights don't need to go off for people like that. The lights need to stop. The light gimmick needs to stop. If Wyndham is coming in, then the lights go out. That's it. Other than that, cut the shit. The way this should have been handled is, A, vignettes leading up. Let us know. Let the fans know that this guy's there. Couple of vignettes giving us a little bit of a backstory, putting this guy into one of the Road to Dynamite fucking episodic shows that they do on YouTube. Something, something that his name is out there instead of a fucking all elite graphic from September 2021. Nobody knew who this guy was. That's why the light gimmick failed. Number one. Number two, vignettes. Something should have happened. Something should have been said. Something should have been, you know, given to the audience and the fans on who this guy was. Number three, the other thing that you could have did was have this guy sit front row. Have this guy sit front row for the last couple of dynamites. Have him sit front row. Have him be there. And have him just, you know, here's the new AEW signing. Fucking Satnam Singh. And then when Samoa Joe is getting beat up at the end of Dynamite, this guy comes in the ring, gets up. This menacing presence gets up from the crowd, moves the barricade, gets into the ring. He thinks, or we think, he's going to stop uh, Jay Lethal and Sanjay Duff from beating down Samoa Joe, but he, he only helps and aids them in beating down Samoa Joe. That would have went off so much better. So much better. He needed to be on television. We needed to physically see him and who he was on television. The lights out gimmick is played out. It would have been fine if the lights went out and Killer Cross was there. The lights would have went out and Braun Strowman was there. The lights went out and fucking Johnny Gargano was there. Whatever. It would have been better. It's fucking the gimmicks played out. I hope I don't see it again. But it would have been any. It would have been better if it was anybody else. This guy, no. Nobody had a fucking iota of a clue who this guy was. Anything could have been brought to the table. I blame Tony Khan. He acknowledges the blame. He acknowledges that it sucked. He's going to do better. That's, and I appreciate that. that. That takes a strong fucking person a public fucking person, the man who's creatively behind everything to go out on a public platform, one of the biggest pro wrestling podcasts, and say, I fucked up. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do this in year four years. That, 
You would never, never hear Vince McMahon say, I fucked up. You would never hear Bruce say, I fucked up. They think their shit doesn't stink. WWE does everything to mask and hide everything that the fans critically shit on that they do. They, they, they fucking doctored the stunner up from WrestleMania. They pretended as if the stunner was not a fucking botch beyond recognition. They alter crowd reactions. They fucking cut out clips and alter clips. Roman's being booed as a fucking baby face. They show the fucking one token fucking virgin in the crowd cheering Roman Reigns as if everybody thinks the same way that guy does. I remember those days. I remember those days. Tony Khan doesn't do that. He does mask the Sammy Guevara heel heat that the fans are giving, which I don't understand. I don't know why he's meddling in that bullshit. Nobody wants to see that. But that's a different story for a fucking different day. He acknowledged he was wrong. WWE would never acknowledge they were wrong on anything. So give the man his fucking credit. He's going to do better. I think Tony Khan has done far more good than anything. So I honestly don't really find the problem with him coming out and apologizing and then, you know, placing blame on the rest of his team like he's placing blame on himself. He's promised he's going to do better. He's done more good than he's done bad. That deserves benefit of the doubt. This is WWE. I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt because they do more bad than good. They don't take our best interest at heart. Tony Khan does. Vince doesn't give a shit about what we think or what we say. Tony Khan does. Christian Cage was botched. His debut was botched at double or nothing. Tony Khan went into the Danielson and CM Punk and Adam Cole debuts and executed it brilliantly. We never got that Christian Cage type of botched debut. Now we got it happening with Singh with the fucking lights going off. Give him time to fix it. I understand it sucked and I fucking hated it. I don't think this guy's going to be good for television on top of everything I just said. I don't think this guy's going to be good for television, period. I hope to God this guy doesn't get in the ring and wrestles because I see no more than their version of Omas. I don't want to see that on television. This is exactly what AEW television doesn't need. But from what we see now, he was booked decently tonight. He looked impressive tonight. He looked like a monster tonight. Fine. As long as he stays that way for the majority of his time there. These big giants, their, their appeal is very short-lived. You can't put somebody like that in the ring and then expect him to get over with this audience because we are so conditioned on what we see with WWE television. WWE fucks these guys up every single time and they only have a shelf life of six months to a year. That's it. Strowman was done after a very short shelf life. Omos is already done. These guys don't last. Not everybody could be Paul White. Not everybody could be Kane. Not everybody could be an Undertaker. These are once-in-a-lifetime pro wrestlers. You don't find... Guys that are, that are the big show and Kane and The Undertaker anymore. The modern day big guy will never be what those big guys were. They got very big shoes to fill. Very, per se. This guy is never going to be anything more than what we see of him. He's not going to get over in front of this audience. And once you get him in the ring and you expose how bad he is, he's never going to recover from that. All it takes is one. He's already a bad first impression. You get him in the ring and he's got another bad first impression from an in-ring standpoint, that's it. With this crowd, that's it. They are more forgiving than most crowds. But this type of guy, for this type of brand, no, I'm sorry. It's never, never going to work out. Never. And when you beat him 
And when somebody beats him, that's it. A guy like this should be undefeated for the rest of his fucking career. Nobody on that roster is big enough to take down Satnam Singh and make it believable. Nobody. A seven foot three giant coming into the, who's going to beat him? Is Joe going to beat him? When Joe beats him, if it ever happens, that's it. There's nothing more to Satnam Singh ever again. He could be a big Indian international superstar, whatever the case may be. Fine. Fine. That's it. I'm over it already. I'm over it. I get why they got him on TV. Business in India. Fine. Great. You can shill that reason all you want. I don't like it. I don't give a fuck about AEW's business affairs in India. I don't. I don't give a fuck what they got to do or who they got to please over in India. Same thing with WWE. All I care about is how it's going to affect my time watching the fucking show. Do you remember Jinder Mahal? I know I do. 2017 was the absolute near-death experience of SmackDown. They gave Jinder Mahal the WWE title, and from that moment on, that show was fucking absolute garbage. This guy beat Nakamura not once but twice for the WWE Championship. Not only did they ruin SmackDown, they ruined Nakamura in that same year. SummerSlam and Hell in a Cell. Hey, you don't think I remember, right? Give me a fucking break. SmackDown was fucking dead with Jinder as champion. All because they wanted to push the Indian initiative with WWE getting TV rights deals in India. Jinder's Pakistanian. He's not a fucking Indian. But they wanted to push Jinder Mahal. Because he plays an Indian character on television. Fucking break. Unbelievable. Shit was garbage. That's what I hope doesn't happen with Satnam Satnam. Now, I know Tony Khan's not going to give him the fucking AEW title. But holy shit, man. Take it the way you need to take it. Please. I'll give you the chance to rectify this shit, but... I don't know, man. I, I, I'm, I'm just happy he admitted the mistake, knew it was a mistake, and I, I would do the same thing. Someone with 30 years experience gave me this fucking idea. I take the blame for it, but nobody, nobody in my team, nobody in my boardroom stuck up for why this shit's not going to work. I need people on my fucking team that are going to tell me that what I'm doing is wrong. I need to think about all the pros and cons. He didn't get any of the cons because he didn't get any feedback from anybody. Can't have that. I'm getting those people off my team immediately. Potential spoiler on Tony Khan's major announcement. Supposedly Wednesday, Tony Khan is going to have a major announcement. Fans have been speculating on what it could be. According to the Super J-Cast and Ringside News, they've both heard rumors of a joint show happening between New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW in Chicago, possibly the third week of June. As of this writing, there's no word yet on the special name for the rumored event, or if matches will take place. AEW has working relationships with several promotions, including New Japan Pro Wrestling and Impact Wrestling. In the past, Tony Khan has allowed AEW contracted talent to work for New Japan, such as Chris Jericho and John Moxley. I believe John Moxley wrestled Will Ospreay tonight at some New Japan show in Chicago. New Japan Pro Wrestling talent began appearing on AWTV last February, such as Kojima, Satoshi Kojima, Kenta, Ren Narita, and Rocky Romero. Moxley worked tonight's Windy City Riot event in Chicago against Will Ospreay. It aired on Fight TV. This past Wednesday's Dynamite saw Samoa Joe beat Minoru Suzuki to win the Ring of Honor Television Championship. All Elite Wrestling has also announced that Dynamite and Rampage episodes 
will also be made available in New Japan Pro Wrestling's streaming service, New Japan World, at no additional cost for current subscribers. That's a great deal. With that being announced not too long ago, I'm assuming that this announcement is going to be a super show between New Japan and AEW, and I do think that they will have a mega show at the United Center. I do think that's going to be the announcement. The other things that possibly could be the announcement outside of this mega super show between AEW and New Japan would be potential streaming service for Ring of Honor, getting them a TV deal, maybe streaming service for AEW, maybe it's uh, something with HBO Max, I don't know. One or the other. It's not a talent announcement. It's not, a t- it's not Bright White, it's not Johnny Gargano, it's not anybody coming, in, coming on in as a talent, Amber Moon, Tegan Knox. No, no, none of these are major announcements. That, that's just going to happen on TV whenever Tony Khan seems to want to fit them into the current plans on TV. This will be an announcement, a streaming service or a joint show with New Japan, which I'm thinking it is, being that we got Diamond and Rampage on New Japan World, Moxley's wrestling Osprey tonight, or has wrestled Osprey tonight, and all of this... Back and forth, New Japan, Suzuki being on television. All this is leading to a New Japan and AEW show. That's my opinion. And when Okada makes it to the States and shows up on AEW television, I can't wait to see the fucking tears from the AEW uh, neckbeards out there, that anti-hate fucking AEW. Fucking ridiculous. I can't wait. I can't wait to see them go out there and, and cry about Kazuchika Okada on TV. Oh, he's just another no-name Japanese guy that is overrated. That's nothing but work rate. I can't wait, man. The, the tears when Okada makes it to television are going to be so immense that I could fill everybody's cup in this venue right now. Seriously. It's going to be great. Can't wait to see it. Give me Brian and give me Okada. Whatever it is, man. Omega may not even be back. I doubt he's back. Give me Brian and give me Okada at this joint show, and I'm a happy man. Seriously. Maybe we finally get that Moxley and Tanahashi match. It's going to be great. If this is a joint show, man, the matches that could be had, holy shit. We may get fucking uh, Gorillas of Destiny finally on AEW television. Tangaloa on television. It's going to be great. We'll see what happens. John Moxley is reportedly super happy in AEW. Now, I know I titled the video tonight, Moxley leaving AEW, but there's a reason I titled it that. There's a reason I titled it. I, I have, I have good notion, and I have people that talk to me that say, John Moxley is a free agent this year. John Moxley's a free agent this year, and Tony Khan, I'm assuming, knows this, wants to lock up Moxley very quickly. And an offer is on the table for John Moxley. There's an offer on the table for John Moxley, and John Moxley has not signed the offer yet. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to sign it, but it definitely raises awareness for Tony Khan and maybe driving Tony Khan up the wall. It may be something that's causing Tony Khan to lose sleep. Now, Moxley, according to this report, is very happy. This is from Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer. Moxley is happy in AEW. He told me last week he was super happy. Everybody's super happy. Moxley, of course, is super happy. Creator freedom. He's bigger than he's ever been in his entire life. Gets to do whatever the fuck he wants. He's a face of the company. He's making great money. He's super happy. His wife is at home doing what she's doing. They just had a child. He's super happy. There's nothing to not be happy about. But who's to say WWE doesn't swoop on in 
and give John Moxley the same type of deal that they gave Cody Rhodes. Anywhere between the ballpark of three to five million dollars. We don't know what Cody Rhodes is making. It's none of our business what Cody Rhodes is making, but Cody Rhodes is making a pretty fucking steep price of money over there. It was a pretty fucking expensive acquisition there by, by WWE to get Cody Rhodes. His his contract is very hefty, I'm assuming. John Moxley and the desire for WWE to have Moxley, who's to say that Moxley doesn't go and do the same thing as Cody Rhodes? Can Tony Khan offer him that money? Absolutely. But I honestly don't think Tony Khan is going to let John Moxley walk the way he let Cody Rhodes walk. I do think if it comes down to it, the money that Cody wanted and he didn't give Cody, he will end up giving John Moxley. Because I know for a fact, if Tony Khan loses John Moxley to AEW, this is going to now, you know, and AEW's done a great job of swinging the tide in their favor. The winds of change, as I call it. It would be very difficult for me to sit here and say those winds are still blowing in the same way that they were two, three years ago with AEW. It would be very difficult for me to sit here and say that those winds haven't kind of subsided a bit on AEW's end and they're moving a little bit towards WWE side. John Moxley going back to WWE is something that I think I would be interested in seeing. I fully expect it to happen. I do. I don't think John Moxley is going to retire with AEW. I think John Moxley is going to go right back to WWE, and I do think John Moxley is going to be John Moxley on WWE television. WWE wants Moxley back. This is going to happen. Chris Jericho will be going back to WWE when the time is right. Chris Jericho will be going into the WWE Hall of Fame, as will John Moxley. This is not out of the realm of possibility. People will defect from AEW to WWE, This is known as good business. For everybody that defects over to WWE, AEW is going to continue pushing whoever they got on the roster up at a higher level. Somebody will be there to take that overwhelmingly huge gap of John Moxley leaving and take that spot. Whereas Moxley going to WWE, it's going to make WWE's television program better. Now, overall, the product sucks. Cody Rhodes is not going to change the entire product overnight. He's on the show once or twice a a week. Whether it's a Miss TV segment or a promo segment or a match, you know, which I don't even want him to be on there every single week. Every time he's on, it makes something about that show, something about that brand better. Moxley will do the same thing. But do I see John Moxley leaving for the WWE now? No, I don't. I would like to see this maybe happen in three, four, five years. I don't want to see John Moxley jump yet. I don't think it's time for him to jump yet. But I do think he's eventually going to make the jump to WWE. Meltzer said he's very happy. In a question and answer segment in January 2021, Moxley didn't close the door on a possible WWE return while also pointing out that it's unlikely to happen. Moxley said you got to say never say never because you don't want to run back what you said years ago later because you don't know what will happen. Just the creation of AEW was so vital to the wrestling industry and that's part of the reason why I'm so proud to be a part of it. He added... I wouldn't rule out ever going and doing business with them again. We had a mutually beneficial relationship for a long time. If they called, I would listen. But I highly doubt we would ever be on the same page. I'd be open to an idea. I don't not like money. I got a kid on the way, and I got to put the kid through college. So, you know, I would take a phone call, but I highly doubt anything would materialize, end quote. 
Moxley is currently a part of the Blackpool Combat Club with Brian Danielson, Wheeler Yuta, and William Regal. He wrestled this past Wednesday on Dynamite in a six-man tag team match in an excellent opener with Wheeler Yuta. Um, and at this point, it doesn't seem like he has plans to leave AEW. So it was noted this week in The Observer that Brett Lauderdale, this is what I was trying to get at. Brett Lauderdale said on his podcast that the biggest wrestling company in the world has expressed interest in his blood sports brand, GCW Bloodsport, something that Moxley has been a part of ever since he's been with AEW. Moxley, I believe, is the current GCW World Heavyweight Champion. Stephen McMahon met with Brett Lauderdale, and the photo is out there because he posted it on his Twitter. GCW owner Brett Lauderdale met with Stephen McMahon at WrestleMania, WrestleMania weekend, and sat him in a luxury suite, and rumors have it that they conducted business. What that business is, I don't know. Why they would be interested in what was nothing more than a fucking uh, Raw Underground segment. They tried to rip off Bloodsport with a Raw Underground segment led by Shane McMahon. Now they want to buy the real thing, the scripted real thing. I I don't know. I don't know why they would be interested in Bloodsport. I can't imagine WWE using that in any sense outside of adding more content to the WWE Network on Peak. I, I don't see how beneficial that is for WWE. For GCW, obviously, you know, they they, they could use the money and, and whatever else, you know, talking business with WWE. I mean, forget about it. it it's only going to benefit GCW. I don't know how it's going to benefit WWE. But at the end of the day, Moxley is a part of that GCW brand. Moxley loves working the GCW shows. He loves it. He's their world champion. Who's to say that this isn't a calculated attack by WWE to maybe lure John Moxley away from AEW. This is the shit that I think about. Is Stephanie McMahon and WWE doing business with GCW in some way, shape, or form? Not for the GCW brand itself, but for the Bloodsport brand. Are they doing business with GCW to lure John Moxley away? That's what I want to know. It's crazy to even think about. But I do think John Moxley, not because of GCW, I do think John Mox is going to end up going to WWE when the time is right. Now, I could sit here and fucking fantasy book John Moxley leaving AEW now, going over to WWE, being John Moxley on WWE TV. I think WWE's in the know and in the boat of with, with what they're doing with Cody Rhodes. Having Cody be Cody from AEW on their television show, they would do the same thing and award the same freedom to John Moxley. When, if John Moxley, if Jonathan Good goes back to WWE, we're not getting Dean Ambrose. The Shield is dead. They will be Shield in person. They will not be Shield in name. You'll never hear that name again as far as a faction being formed. And you'll never hear John Moxley going back to Dean. Who the fuck is Dean Ambrose? John Moxley's where the money's at. WWE knows that. John Moxley's bigger now than he ever was in WWE under the Dean Ambrose name. He's more known now as John Moxley. So if John Moxley, Jonathan Good, goes to WWE, he will be John Moxley on WWE television like Cody Rhodes is his AEW version on Monday Night Raw. They know that. They know that. They they have to do that. Do they want to do it? Do they prefer it that way? No. But to get what they want in the end, they're going to have to play that game. Cody has to be Cody. Cody has to be booked right. John Moxley has to be John Moxley. John Moxley has to be booked like a world champion. Other than that, if they fuck that up, nobody else from that side is going to want to come over to WWE. If Jericho, if Jericho comes, yeah, the lunatic fringe. No, no, thank you. If Jericho comes over to WWE, Garen fucking T you, he will have Judas as his theme music. As his theme music. Everything that we're getting on AEW television, 
When they make their return to WWE, and you know what will happen, it will be their AEW versions. Jericho will be Judas. Moxley will be Moxley. Cody's going to be Cody. They have to because they need to sway the Jake Cargills and the Wardlows and the MJFs over to WWE. They have to play a game that they're not really wanting to play, but they know they have to play because their game is weakening AEW. That's what their goal is. Weakening AEW, having them do all the work and sitting around like a fucking sniper in the bush and picking you off when you least expect it. That's the game WWE. They're playing the long and slow game. Moxley, free agent. Jericho, free agent. MJF, a free agent. They're going to be waiting in the fucking bushes, waiting for the time to strike. But Moxley, he's happy. Is Moxley going back to WWE? I don't think so right now. Not when he's on TV with Brian. Not when he's on TV doing what he wants. Not when he's out there able to make as much money as he wants by working any promotion he wants with the creative freedom he has. John Moxley leaving WWE now would be a mistake. John Moxley going back to WWE after this new contract is hopefully signed in three years, I could see that being a little bit more of a possibility. But I do think at the end of the day, guys like that will end up back in WWE. Absence makes the heart grow fonder on both ends. WWE realizes that they need to play this game. Moxley realizes he's got a lot of friends over there that he wants to work with again, being that he's built himself up the way he is now. And WWE realizes that if they want to weaken AEW, they need to play the game that they're not accustomed to playing. And I do think it's going to happen. They want MJF. They want Jade Cargill. They want Wardlow. They got to do it. They got to do it right. They got to do it right. And who's to say that those names are going to be the only names? Maybe WWE at some point. Who the fuck knows, man? Vince is getting older. Vince, we don't know what could happen seven, eight years from now. How old Vince is going to be and how fucking out of touch he's going to be seven, eight years from now. He's already out of touch. We don't know if Bruce is going to be there seven, eight years from now. We don't know what's going to happen. Who's to say that management in WWE doesn't look at an Adam Cole or a Keith Lee or a Swerve any differently, right? It's going to be a very interesting thing. Jesse says that he will go into the Hall of Fame. I agree. Jesse says he will go into the Hall of Fame as Dean Ambrose, but he will be John Moxley. On WWE television. It has to be. It has to be. If Cody's able to be who he is in AEW on WWE TV, TV they're going to award that same luxury to John Moxley. With the Shield. Yes. Yes, he will get. Yes, he will go. He, he will go into the WWE Hall of Fame twice. Twice. When, when he goes back as John Moxley and he will go in as Dean Ambrose with the Shield. Sure. I agree 100%. And finally, guys, I got one more piece of news here. AEW, FTR, loving what they're doing with FTR. Tag team titles, I even pitched this on Wednesday. I honestly think FTR should win the AEW Tag Team Championships. I do. I think that would be awesome. I think them holding the AAA, Ring of Honor, and AEW Tag Team titles all at the same time, they are hot now. Why not strike while the iron is at its hottest with FTR? They are over, big time. And I would love to see them take those titles for one reason and one reason only. You build them up as the absolute cream of the crop, fucking top of the top tag team. And then whoever beats them is going to be a made tag team. Could be anybody. Could be Top Flight. Could be the Lucha Brothers. It could be anybody. Anybody. That's what I love about this. They are so good right now. 
that if they own all the tag team titles, it's going to make whoever beats them just on level with them. It's going to be awesome. Now, I selfishly want to see FTR versus Brian Danielson and John Moxley. That's what I'd love to see. Or, or anybody, really. The Bucks or Red Dragon, the Lucha Brothers, you name it. But Moxley and Danielson against FTR, man, take my money. Take my money. But there were major change. There were major changes to the FTR and Young Bucks rematch that we saw a couple weeks ago on AEW Dynamite. The match was great. It wasn't better than the Briscoes match that FTR had at Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, but it was great nonetheless. It almost didn't happen two weeks ago. It was originally planned to be later in April. According to Nick Jackson, he had an interview with Sports Illustrated with, with his brother Matt. They had to convince Tony Khan to let them have the match earlier than Tony Khan wanted it. He wanted it at the end of April. Bucks wanted to do it when they did it. To capitalize on FTR's momentum, that is the reason why the Bucks wanted to do the match with FTR now. They wanted to strike while the iron was hot to help them get over even more so. They wanted FTR to capitalize on what they were doing coming out of the Briscoes match at Supercard of Honor. He said, and I quote, does Nick Jackson, it wasn't supposed to happen until later this month. We wanted to ride the momentum of FTR on the Briscoes because we knew they'd have a classic and we convinced Tony to let us have it in Boston. Nick mentioned that the only issue with their first match was that it took place during the pandemic. The one thing that put a small damper on our first meeting was having it during the pandemic. We always knew we wanted to do a rematch. It was just a matter of when and how and we knew it had to be a packed arena. I knew the match was going to be great. When FTR's music hit, and they were the most over guys in the building that night, everything clicked from there. FTR, man, I'm loving what they're doing. I'm giving them the tag team titles. If the time is right and the opportunity presents itself, I'm having FTR win the AW Tag Team Championships, and I'm having them collect all the gold. I really am. Again, the Young Bucks saw it as striking while the iron was hot. So why can't we, looking at FTR, man, it's a rarity to have a tag team come along and be that fucking great and that dominant, man. And with that division, it could legitimately be anybody's game to take those titles and take that spot, man. A new team could be made. It's going to be better for the overall health of the tag team division when they start losing those titles and they start coming down from where they are. But right now, while they're as hot as they are, strike while you can because you're not going to get another opportunity like this with FTR. Guys, that is all I got as far as the news is concerned. And we are going to go over the Super Chats, man. Get them on in. We're going to hang out. And I'm going to open myself an ice-cold beverage. Legitimately. Not liquid death. Not a fucking water. Not an apple juice. Not soda. I am opening. I am opening. A Southern Tier Irish Cream Stout. This thing is fucking beautiful, man. It tastes so good. And we're going to open that right up right now. And we're going to go over the Super Chats. Let me get my beer glass already sitting over here. Eyeing me down. Look at that, man. Oh. Oh. 
Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I love you guys, man. Thank you for hanging out with me tonight. On off the script. Awesome. Love it. Follow me on social media, guys. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Let me know what you guys think of all the top stories on off the script tonight. Get those super chats in. We got 1,300 likes, man. Can we try for 1,500 on OTS tonight, man? Hit that thumbs up if you're in the chat and have not hit the thumbs up. Let me know what you guys think of everything. Hit that thumbs up. Subscribe. Super Chats. We got 10 new members tonight, man. 10. 10 new members, man. That is fucking awesome. That may be a record for us. Start at the top, man. Joseph Taylor with a $5 Super Chat. John Moxley leaving AEW to go to WWE. is like me asking out Serena Deeb. It's not going to happen. Bro, of all the women in AEW, you would ask out Serena Deeb? You may have the best chance with Serena Deeb. Also, with a $2 super chat, JD, did you get my DM on Instagram about LA Knight? I don't read my Instagram DMs, bro. You guys got to stop DMing me on Instagram. I don't read any of them. I don't. I don't need people to reach out and tell me news, man. I know I have eyes everywhere. Stop. ECW Hardcore 07 with a $5 super chat. They need to quit playing hot potato with the TNT title. JD, are you okay, by the way? I saw your uh, tweets the other day. Hope all is well. OTS for life. You could miss it. Uh, I'm okay. Uh, I feel stressed. I feel fatigued. I feel tired. Uh, I talked about it with somebody very important to me today. And everything's going to be good. I feel I feel very I feel very hopeful about the progress of the podcast, man. We're gonna be doing great things, man. I'm, I, it's you know it, it's tough to be number one and stay number one. And I always I feel like I feel like I have to be on top of my game every single time, man. It's been it's been getting to me, but I got ideas. We're gonna ramp up the venue. We're taking this OTS universe to the next level. This summer, I'm hopefully gonna get. You know, the venue redone for the summertime to fit the theme. Beer garden, outdoor beer garden. We're going to have the Mustang driving down the fucking highway with the sun out, getting ready for the summer. We may even have our own VIP lounge where we do the Super Chats and we just sit down, man, with a nice fireplace and a nice glass of bourbon, right, on the rocks, and we just go over the Super Chats, man. I I got ideas. It's got to take some time, but I got ideas, man. So I want to take this whole OTS universe and really make it unlike you've Unlike anything you've seen in the IWC. Seriously. It's going to happen. Michelle Moran with a $2 super chat. How would you, how would Darby look in the House of Black? No. No, I don't think so. Darby needs to be a a babyface. Also, Michelle Moran with a $5 super chat. Moxley would not be in the BCC if he was not staying in AEW. But if Tony Khan gives us more of the Great Khali 2.0 type crap, I might, or it might drive Moxley away. Moxley ain't going anywhere. Right now, he's not going anywhere. He's going to stay in AEW. I do think by uh, the time his next contract is up, he will be in WWE.
What is Jesse saying? A taco bar. Now, Jesse, I already told you, bro. When we do the outdoor beer garden, my vision for the outdoor beer garden, man, I'm going to have my construction team work on. It's not going to be Jesse's tacos. It's going to be Thunder's tacos. I have to have it fit in the theme of wrestling, bro. Like, what, 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 are you, what, are you, what are you doing in the theme of wrestling? Who are you? You make shitty tacos at home, man. Thunder Rosa, I, I'm apparently, I'm apparently, you know, in the know, man. Thunder Rosa absolutely loves sour cream on tacos. Uh, and maybe she don't. I don't know. I'm just, I'm fucking bullshit. Fucking busting this guy's balls. Hooligram, I, I, I'm, I'm very disappointed in you, bro. I'm very disappointed in you, bro. Sour cream on tacos is not the dr- I, I don't listen, man. I, I don't I don't put a lot of sour cream on my tacos, but just a, da- a dab. A dollop of daisy. Thunder's tacos, man. I gotta have my guys fix the fucking menu in the bar, too, man. Make it a little bit more updated. Wrestling Jeebus with a 20 in UK. Just dropping in to show some love. Keep on killing it, JD. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it, man. And thank you for the kind words on my commentary for House of Glory last night with the Salamonster. Tony Brown with a 499 Super Chat. Thunder Meat. I see you, Tony Brown. No, Brian, I'm not drunk. How could I be drunk when I just opened up my first cold beverage today? See Salisbury, Wrestling Jeebus, Brian Medine, Zero Kaiba, Beyond the Mat, R.D. Alcorn, and Dante Brown. Zat. Chris Thomas. Thank you for all becoming new members of the OTS VIP Club, man. Cheers to you guys. The fuck are you drinking, guys? What are you guys drinking, man? I just opened up this Irish cream stout. I can't, I can't recommend this shit enough, man. I'll get everybody an Irish cream stout. It's delicious. Fantasy Kid 1977 with a five-month re-up to the VIP club. Thank you, brother. Showing some love, bro. I like Mustangs too. I have a 2011 5.0, but I might be trading in for a Shelby GT 500. I'd like to get myself one of them, man, but I need to uh, I need to make some more money. Need to make some more money. For the love of wrestling, 15 months of VIP. Having a cold Evan Williams apple with a shot of hot shot. OTS for life. That sounds fucking delicious, man. Evan Williams apple. Oh my goodness. Chris Thomas, thank you, brother. Chelsea with a two-month re-up. Milestone increased. Loving this. Smash the likes for King JD. Hashtag OTS for life. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you so much, Chelsea. What are you drinking tonight? Taze Mazo with a five-month super chat. OTS for life. That's the message. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for the five months. Jabril Mohammed with a 9.99 super chat. Hope you're doing well, JD. Two things. One, that Sammy Wynn infuriated me. And two, after Butch's embarrassing loss on SmackDown a few weeks ago, I want you, JD, to not call him Butch, but to start calling him Bitch. No, I'm going to continue calling him Scrappy-Doo. Let me at him! Let me at him, Scoob! Reggie! 
It's exactly what he does. Angel. Thank you, brother. Four months VIP. Appreciate you, man. Ahmed Yusuf with a 199 Super Chat. AEW needs Moro. That man is great. Absolutely. I'm Tony Khan. I'm out there fucking calling Moro every week, man. Moro, you want you want you want a job? You want a position, bro? JR's leaving. I need you. I need you on commentary. Start. I don't know how they haven't brought Moro in, man. If Moro joins AEW, forget about it. So it takes AEW to the fucking next level, man. And whatever the fucking next level is. Mr. Ray, I see you. I can finally comment, bro. Woo, yeah. God, you got to wait that four weeks, bro. It's a, it's a little... Listen, man, the VIP list is, is fucking deep, okay? I'm glad you're here, bro. Reggie. Ahmed. Yes, I agree, bro. Uh, Mr. Premium, 2002 with a 1999 Super Chat. People were worried that April 15 would be the day... For WWE's budget cuts this year, as it usually is the normal day because of tax day. But if I remember correctly, tax day this year is on April 18th. So I guess we will see. Bro, within the next two weeks, we're having budget cuts. That's my prediction. Jose Gomez with a $5 super chat. Hey, JD, what are your thoughts on Elon Musk wanting to purchase Twitter for $43 billion? What do you make Twitter Twitter a non-toxic environment? No. Elon Musk has uh, a lot of money to be thrown around if he wants to spend $43 billion on Twitter, man. I don't think I think Twitter is uh, unsalvageable at this point. JT Golden with a 199 super chat. Casey Cotanzaro and Kaylee Ray have new names now. What? No. Do they have new names? Oh my goodness. PW Insider has confirmed that former American Ninja Warrior Casey Catanzaro will now be going under the name of Katana Chance. It was also reported that Kaylee Ray will be using the name Alba Fire. Roxy, former Ring of Honor World Champion. Will be known as Roxanne Perez. This shit sucks. This shit sucks. I just found out. Breaking news, I guess, huh? Alba Fire, man. Alba Fire. Yeah, you gotta love that one. Katana Chance. Cause she was a she was an American Ninja Warrior. Let's name her Katana. How about that, Jesse? Make you want to watch NXT anymore, bro? Holy shit. What a joke. Dorian Moore with the $2 Super Chat. I want to see CM Punk versus Kenta in a GTS match. Well, listen, man. You know, CM Punk has uh, called out Kazushka Okada as well. We may see that one. We may get Danielson versus somebody else if that's the case. But yes, I'd like to see CM Punk versus Kent. I think that'd be a great match. Sev versus uh Sev for it with a five Sev versus nobody. It's Sev with a five dollar super chat. Imagine if after four seasons of Breaking Bad and v- Vince Gilligan changed Walter White's name to Gunther White. Yeah. 
give Katana a chance, bro. <laughs> bro, she, like Hula Girl says, she's Katana zero chances, man. Seth, thank you so much, brother. Yes. Imagine, imagine The Walking Dead changed Negan's name from the comic books. Quisale Elite Wrestling with the Trudeau Super Chat. Man, JD, TK made us turn on Sammy and Tay as a whole. No, I think, I, I think Sammy and Tay turned on the fence. They, they, they just didn't give a shit anymore. Justin Turner becomes a new member. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you, man. Ryan Fairburn with a New Zealand $2 super chat. JD, have you seen Kaylee Rank Casey's? Oh, yes, I just, I just, I just heard the news, bro. I just heard the news. ECW Hardcore 07 with a four in super chat. Vince is trying to buy GCW since TK bought Ring of Honor. I'm drinking a vodka cran orange. Cheers, JD. Sounds good, man. As long as you got a cold beverage in your hand. Joey Clemenza with a $10 super chat. Great show, JD, my man. Here's the $1,000 question, though. Jericho may go back to the E. Mox may go back to the E. Does Punk ever go back? No. CM Punk is never... CM Punk is retiring in AEW. There's a reason why I didn't mention CM Punk when I was talking about that Moxie site. Daniel Gray becomes a new member and... With a $5 super chat. Hey, JD, glad you're doing better. Anyway, is it just me or is Hangman's booking not been all that great since he became champ? Bro, he just had a great... Bro, Hangman has been having great matches ever since he won the championship. I don't understand this. I don't understand how people's logic... Hangman has had banger matches, bro. I don't understand it. The guy is doing great. What is wrong with the booking? He's been booked strong. He's only gotten better. Chelsea with a Canadian $2 super chat. I'm drinking Canadian maple whiskey. Cheers, Jay. That sounds fucking delicious. Maple whiskey. Oh. Jesse said it best. Chris Benoit will be in the Hall of Fame before CM Punk goes back to the WWE. Mad Action becomes a member inside the OTS VIP club. Mad Action, what are you drinking, brother? I appreciate you, man. Guys, we had a, a great night as far as hanging out and memberships. You guys are awesome. Magician Sapphire with a $10 super chat. As far as the TV championship goes, I would rather see Lance Archer go on a monster run with it. Lance Archer could be somebody that definitely fits that Ring of Honor mold, bro. I tell you. I think that would be great. Lance Archer for Samoa Joe, man, that would be a banger. Hooligram with a $5 super chat. I know you bear a fellow lover of screwball. Have you tried knuckle noggin whiskey? Just curious. No, I have not, man. I would uh, I would absolutely be all for that. 
I would absolutely be all for that, man. Not afraid to try any type of whiskey, man. I love the bourbon whiskeys, though. The Metallica whiskey... I'll tell you what, man. The Metallica whiskey... Ever, anybody ever try that blackened whiskey by Metallica? That shit sucks. That shit is fucking awful, man. Not a very good drinking whiskey at all. And Team Money with a 499 Super Chat. After Ronda faces Charlotte, I assume she turns heel and has unification with Bel Air at SummerSlam. I hope. I hope so. I could absolutely see that being the case. And WWE should definitely uh, think about that being the possibility. Guys, I'm about to get out of here, man. Uh, I appreciate y'all very much, man. 2,200 people on a Saturday night when I know everybody should be out drinking. It was a beautiful day in New York City today. 67 degrees. You guys are awesome, man. Appreciate it. I'm still trying to figure out. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do with the podcast, man. If I should just take it live every weekend. If I should do the short extras. I don't know. I feel like the podcast isn't really full if it's if it's not like it was tonight, you know? I got I to gotta see, man. I, I, gotta, I still got to tinker with what I want the schedule to be. I, I would like to be live more often, but nobody's going to watch in the afternoon. Everybody's at work. I don't know. Happy Easter, says Brandon James Shea with a uh, $2 super chat. Thank you, brother. Anyway, guys, follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Thank you to everybody that super chatted and joined the VIP club. Go check out BlueChew, BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout for your free sample. And go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel, man. Everything you need is there. Guys, I'm about to go watch some Yellowstone. Finish my cold beverage. Maybe have another. I need two things from you guys, man. Number one, those guitar emojis in the chat. Number two, I need that music on max. I'll see you guys back on Monday Night Live from the OTS venue for Monday Night Raw right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.